2: What's good, Internet? It's January 24th, 2023, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 536. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Ricardo Contreras. Hello! Hello! Patrick Klepek. Hi, hi. And Renata Price. Howdy. So, I am not prepared for any of this. I am. Great. I am completely, I am not ready to record. I don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> I am. So, here's the thing you don't want. Mm-hmm. You do not want uh, contractors to just, like, call you out of the blue and be like, you know that thing that's been in limbo for months? And it's like, yeah. Well, it's out of limbo, and we're showing up to your house to demo part of it and rebuild it uh, on Tuesday, <laughs> and this happening like all on Friday. And so how, I have how many months spe- has this been in limbo? About five months. Oh That's wow, the materials, right? Yeah. No, it was no? Uh, building permit stuff. Huh? Mm-hmm. Remember, it's historic building condo mm-hmm. board, and then uh, like the city of Lowell has some like. Uh, stiff permitting requirements for work in buildings like this. Um, well, I have stiff permitting requirements for all sorts of work. But like, if you're in a single detached home, you can just not tell people what you're doing in <laughs> <when> your single <laughs> detached home, and, and many people do that. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: unless your neighbors snitch on you, which has happened in our oh, neighborhood.
2: Uh, mm, last There's
0: a there's a, there's a guy I don't know what he does, but I he always ha he has a truck that is clearly for some sort of work and uh he built a little like shed extension attached to the house mm. in a he way that a, you... he built an addition that was a shed yeah and uh his neighbor uh, across the way behind him they have not gotten along in the past i don't know the specific history behind it it was it was illuminated by a neighbor <laughs> of, of mine and that dude called the city and city came by, and and the and the, the the little addition was finished, like it was done. Oh it was my built, god! It was it was usable, and city said, "Nah, I got to take that down." So one day I was out drinking a beer with my neighbor, who was explaining this to me, and uh, he said, "Yeah, earlier today I saw him dismantling it." wood piece by wood piece and just throwing it into a fire so he just dismantled <laughs> the, the, the addition he made to himself on his own and just threw the pieces <laughs> into a fire uh, presumably so the neighbor passive aggressively could see uh, that he was was doing so um rancid uh, yeah. uh, you the, one of them has to move <laughs> the, uh, the, I that's, well, then, then, you know, COVID was happening. Now is not the time to move, Rob. Uh, you gotta, you gotta stay put and wait for that market to, to shift in a different uh, direction. Mortgages are a nightmare. So wait, was uh, this poor bastard just being like, I am stuck at home with COVID? And I, I don't know if a I would argue, space. poor bastard. The house he is in is extremely nice and has okay. done a lot of work to <laughs> make it also even nicer because when you can do your own work and also it seems bring your own. Workers and contractors to do that work in your house. Poor is not the word I'm describing to it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. But the the pettiness of do those people have a permit to do that thing? Yeah. In
2: the you know. um, Well, the upside is if he does a ton of like contracting work, bro, you can get a permit on your own place. Like like yeah, paperwork can be daunting, but dude, (laughs) like you probably do this all the time.
0: Yeah, I I I, we put in a, a shed on the side of our house. There's like a like a, a slab of concrete. You bought like a prefab, right? A prefab. You, you were all excited about your little shed world. City officials don't don't listen. I'm pretty sure the shed is encroaching onto the edge of the house where you're not supposed to actually put something. There is some I forget the exact rules, a but easement. I think I think it's a violation of having something that a structure that close to like the fence that is like the line between um, uh, my yard and the next. But mm. my neighbor whom I'm close with, and spent a bunch of money buying a bunch of equipment on my own to re-divert water that was going to their basement. I was like, they're not going to call the city on me. So far, so good. (laughs) Shed's been up for a year and a half. That's beautiful. If they do
2: try to start anything with you, Patrick, just remember uh, I'll take down those water diverters. Yeah, we'll (laughs) find out what happens when those water diverters get removed. I do not recognize your authority. Uh, Show me in the United States Constitution uh where where it says that you can regulate this Mm -hmm. uh so yeah my my situation is it was in condo board limbo for ages uh and like we completely lost track of it my assumption was once they got the permit they would be like and now we'll just get you on the schedule for two months from now right so I Mm -hmm. i was thinking like it would be a spring construction the thing i was not prepared for at all um either like in terms of prepping the space, or just mentally and emotionally, was for them to say, "Great news! We have all the permits. We'll be there first thing on Tuesday."
3: Rob saying prepping the space is particularly funny because right now, in the background of his shot, is a still standing
0: Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Well, hold yeah, on, because I think when he says Christmas tree, stand st- up for a while. <laughs> yeah. it also, sounds yeah. don't. How did you turn the spot that is supposed to be your new office that is being constructed into a storage space? Patrick, you've hit upon <laughs>
2: the crux of the issue. Mm, oh, have no. I now? So it began.
0: It began life as a humble little loft library. I feel like where this is all the stories about things you do in your house that uh, we then all uh, raise an eyebrow <laughs> towards. It began with, and then Rob tells an increasingly incredulous story about something involving their place.
2: Well, we we. Uh, And by we, I mean, MK, because she's very good at this type of stuff. uh, She found a way to make the absolute bottom tier IKEA bookcases like these things aspire one day. They dream uh, wildly of maybe one day being Billy bookcases, uh, because (laughs) this is how far down uh, the, the tier list they are. She'd done a very good job of bracketing them together so that they looked like a built in like installed unit of shelves. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because remember, if you put a bunch of bookshelves next to each other that are freestanding because your floor is uneven in tiny little ways. They will all like wobble and like it'll look like shit. Right. Uh, She bracketed all together. It looks great. And then we just piled all of our books into those shelves and we have a lot it's like you know our respective college careers her graduate uh, career all my shit sci-fi paperbacks going back to my weekly raid on borders when i was like nine or ten years old all this stuff is in there but then we realized like there's just not enough storage in this place for other stuff like Valuable electronics boxes that we w- we might one day want to reuse, so that we Damn can God. ship stuff back for warranty yeah. or repairs. Very important. And then
0: it, it don't just, keep those boxes; you never use them. People <laughs> that are just like, I need this. I need this Xbox One box. <laughs> I've got to put that in the. guy. Yeah. put that somewhere. Who knows? I might need to not use that in ten years, and then throw it out when I buy the new Xbox. Yeah, you and don't it don't just kept escalating. Ever. Because then it was like we
2: both got into putting monitors on arms. We were like, this is so much better than a desk stand monitor. This is great. But what if someday we want those desk stands back? (laughs) So there's like a little grove of monitor desk stands uh, sitting up there. Um, There's like a broken exercise bike that like, hey, one day we might repair. There's the dining room (laughs) chairs that are part of a dining room that are part of a that are part of a part of a dining room set <laughs> that we found uh, on Craigslist, basically the chairs, but not the rest of the set, but they all match. But we don't need eight dining room chairs, so we just stored a bunch of them up there because, you know, you never know. Maybe maybe one day uh, COVID will lift. And our apartment, especially after this renovation, our apartment will feel so much bigger. We'll be like, what we need to do is start entertaining
0: large parties at our house.
2: Mm.
0: Maybe. So Mm -hmm. we got to keep those chairs. Reader, fast forward to 20 years from now. That party never happened.
3: How many chairs are in the set and how many are out?
2: (laughs) Kato, I need you to not.
0: I, I need you to understand there's reasons for this. It was eight chairs and four are out. (laughs) Oh no. But four is enough, Rob. How many like eight to ten person dinner parties are you doing? Does
3: your table does your can your table hold eight?
2: It can. It can hold more than that. But remember, what threw this all into chaos was we got a cool little like dining booth bench to sort of wrap around the table. Ah, Which knocked out like four (laughs) chair spaces.
1: Right. so you still have the same amount of seating space with the <laughs> with the requirement for less objects, and you still have half of the. Listen, <laughs> you just got to New York, it Rob. You just have to New York put put of it. Put four those chairs an on opportunity.
0: the street. <laughs> do like you, do the heavy lifting in your heart and your soul, and get rid of this shit.
1: If you put those four chairs in the street, you'll make some. You'll make like at least two people stay. Someone, someone will use it.
0: Street. Wouldn't yeah. shouldn't a chair be used, Rob? Oh, it think is how, being uh, used. Think of how uh, sad your chair is. Ho-
2: Hang on. The chairs do they the chairs do have new purpose. It's like they've found a, a new a, a new lease on life um hosting electronics boxes. <laughs> no, this is untenable.
1: If I I live in squalor, oh. and if I'm saying it's untenable <laughs>
2: well and also you know like maybe see the thing is you need those extra tables for like when you have your big like maybe I'll get a table with a leaf at mm. some point
4: <laughs> so and Paul, buy new fucking
0: chairs you don't have any problem spending <laughs> money just get new chairs when you need them
2: but then I'll be so mad <laughs> buying new chairs is. but these came when these you came. get,
0: when oh you get a table that has a leaf you're gonna buy new chairs anyway cause you'll find a reason to not like the existing chairs so you can match them oh MK already to the hates new these table. chairs
2: <laughs> oh, she's she's so actually she's actually glowering at me as she eats
0: her. MK, throw her them out.
2: Throw she them actually out dislikes away. the table. So the thing is, the reason these chairs, the reason I've
0: been like, do you mean must- to fly out? You had COVID, so like you're good. Do I need to come and be the person That's like, hey, why? <laughs> and then do, do the top, make the tough decisions for you to get rid of it. Uh Pattern. I think, like, yes, ultimately yes. Because can we get, like the- a, ca- can we get a camera person advice? Yeah, can like we film uh, me going through Rob's stuff Just and ruthlessly like <laughs> purging my collections without well, any input from me? you go get us some coffee um i I know you'll get something good and then like an hour later rob your apartment is solved i threw everything out uh then you probably would not have been impressed by the large stack
2: of redundant ps3 and xbox 360 games uh that i had consuming a couple shelves um largely for games that i own on pc
0: now
1: what mm-hmm. whoa whoa. whoa. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. let's give us some insight into this collection. What are the real
3: winners
0: there? Do they mean something to you yeah. or are they just games?
3: And how are they redundant? Is it just because you have them on PC? Well, he's never gonna play it on an Xbox if
2: you just load it up on Steam. Right? Assassin's but, Creed 2. Like, you know, I sure. mean Who needs to play Assassin's Creed 2 again to begin with? That is a good uh, one. It is a good one, but
0: like Yeah, but it's not the interesting one. Is anyone seeing these boxes? Like where are they placed in the apartment are they upstairs oh they're hugely oh like you you walk in you look up there it is
1: what you walk a, in and look up yeah
0: so wait, like you it's a, a, a lot so you do see it if you were like if i was a guest in your home in the areas that i would reasonably be in would i see the box yes okay because that's different because like the reason i collect horror like movies that i largely keep the discs in the box is like i like having that collection that is like People walk in, they get a sense of like who I am and my interest on in those. So th- there's a reason to keep the duplicate box if it is serving a purpose about your values yeah. and your interests that communicates that to a potential eight to 10 person guest uh, coming over for a dinner party that might, honest, or might not exist someday in the future. In that
2: whole collection. So <laughs> I now have a worthless copy of Rock Band 2 because uh-huh. yep. somebody made me throw away the plastic instruments that went with the PS3 throw away
3: you didn't even sell them donate donate get rid there's
2: of them there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff that's been taken to, to donations but I, somebody made the argument that you're not going to we when's the last time we played Rock Band 2 when's the last time you hooked up a PS3 rid of that stuff too.
1: yeah I'll be honest that person was correct Rob if if you look inside I, your I, heart you will I see that the person it
0: yeah, just, gets it. Yeah, those no, drum sets. That out. drum set takes up so much space. And I wish I had. And I the wish guitars I you could line <laughs> up and put away in a more reasonable way. Yeah. like, but the the
2: drum sets No, the not drum happened. set that could is- have been like an old growth tree oh looming over God. the uh, the undergrowth yeah. of monitor stands. <laughs> uh, that are they're in the lost space <laughs> could have this shaded them and and moment. nurtured them. Uh, when, on the days when the sun is hot, uh, probably the only the only game like of, of all that the only thing that really caught my eye that like for various reasons I'm not going to get rid of this is uh the 360 copy of the darkness. Um, because <laughs> that game fucking ruled, and I don't think has been. I don't think, like, The Darkness was ever reissued, right? I don't think This is the Starbreeze so. comic book adaptation. Uh, first one's, like, really fucking good. The second like, one's also really good. It was, uh, like, it pointedly got, like, backwards compatibility support. Uh, but, again, like, I also haven't played it since I played the, you know, first time. I've played yeah. parts of it since then. But, you know. Anyway, uh, there's, so, I gotta get all this stuff out. And I was doing a lot of that this weekend. Um, And it does turn out that, like, if you do not care about where you put things, you discover that there's tons of unused storage in your house. If you just, like, are willing to let your imagination roam free. Like, do I need to see out the windows? If you can treat your whole place like a garage, anything can be a garage. Oh, I had this brainwave. I was like, we still got the tree up. It'll look really festive. If I take a bunch of our books and pile them beneath the tree, as if Santa's bounty is still there waiting, us, oh, waiting for the us to enjoy. The construction workers will delight in the little touches you have added to your place. <laughs> uh, the construction workers, fortunately, so the way this is going to work is the entire thing is going to be in the foyer. They're going to, like, tent it off with plastic sheeting. And then they're just going to, like,
0: fuck that place up. And... <laughs> uh Extend. So you're just stuck on the lower level while things are going on, basically.
2: Yeah, and when they're not here, like they're not, t- they're not even, they're not taking down the stairs either. Um, so the the stairs are the stairs are going to be fine, thank God, because that would have increased the expense quite a bit. Um, but it is, it's still like I've still got to get a bunch of shit out of there completely, uh, and figure out where it goes. And the problem is, once I clear through a bunch of that stuff, there's going to be a bunch of bookcases. That I need to find a home for because um, the the issue with that place was kind of the only place the bookcases could go. So I might have some very exciting new backdrops, uh, you know, in, in the you coming put some bookcases to block your windows. Yeah. <laughs> OK. <laughs> Actually, now you mentioned that those are like the cheapest bookcases, as I pointed out. So, like. I'm not gonna have a home for them. So this is the thing, right? Like MK had and it wasn't an argument, but she was like, How many of these are we gonna keep? And I was like, I think we can keep all of them. And she looked at me like I had grown a like third eye or something. <laughs> where where she like I was like She was you, correct. You think, you think we should throw away these sub Billy Grade IKEA bookcases? I mean, they're they're still working, right? The excesses of the Russian czars pale in comparison uh, to okay, well. to what we are thinking of here. Uh, I, but she's pretty adamant that, like, at most maybe we should keep two.
3: Are
5: I'm, they filled?
2: Are they currently filled? Like all of them? They are. They're pretty filled. There were like a couple purges had created just enough space to like create some space for new things, but by and large they were. They were full. Honestly, the tops of them were getting filled. Okay. Like I was starting to use the mm-hmm, the storage mm-hmm. up top.
3: Mm-hmm. That feels like yeah, you, you're you're using them. They're being used.
2: Why would you get rid of them? Exactly. Yeah. They're still good. Still good. <laughs> I just need to find a place for them to live, and if that is where I live, then but I will you're just have to talk
0: about all that space you got over there.
2: I was Patrick I was thinking (laughs) I (laughs) think there might be clearance I think it is physically possible If I moved a bookcase into the kitchen Mm -hmm. For the dishwasher door To still open
1: Dark It would be tight
2: But I think it's doable (laughs) Put my little recipe books up there
1: Oh, I can I can never tell if like an interior designer walked into your home, if they'd be like slightly impressed by how much shit you've managed to put in there or mortified.
0: Well, he'd have explanation one way or the other.
2: <laughs> OK, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure what I've got are the Finby bookcases.
3: Fin Finby? Yeah. Finby.
2: These are these are beautiful bookcases uh, that crucially, if you load the shelves with books, the shelves bow, uh like ah. an English longbow. Uh and like look as if they're about to snap. Um in me
1: Okay, right. Yeah,
2: so okay, this is a $50 bookshelf.
1: You're making cases against the bookshelf here in showing in showing me this bookshelf, I am I'm looking at it and I'm saying that this is this is a bookshelf that can go out on the street. Listen, when I first moved to New York, <laughs> I had the most dog shit desk you've ever seen. Just, just real fucking rancid. I was one of those desks that has like the, um, you know, the, like, uh, the desks that have like a back wall. It's like a small desk with like a back wall that you can like put things on.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I, like almost like it's recreating a cubicle, but like mm, it is your desk.
1: Yes. Mm. I believe you famously referred to it as my prison desk. Uh, <laughs> is is what you called it right so here's the thing uh i improved my quality of life significantly by getting rid of that the moment someone suggested i should and got a real better desk uh and i look at these bookcases and i wonder if there is a world in which uh, you owe yourself a nice you owe yourself a nice bookcase but before you before you get ahead of yourself rob i think you i think it is time to trim the fat from your book collection, which I think is I think it's a hard thing to do. But I it bet is. there is a I bet there is a great used bookstore within 30 minutes of your home where you could show up and be like, I have 45 trade paperbacks of science fiction novels. I know. And they'll go, thank you. Give them on to me. I'm begging you.
2: So I, so I did do that with my old Star Wars paperbacks, but the problem is like what's left now in the old Battle Deck and Star Wars collection is only the creme de la creme. (laughs) <laughs> They've like, already been called. It's only the Statpoles <laughs> and Colmans. I don't trust, okay. you. Yeah, I don't yeah. trust yeah. you at
0: all. No Zero <laughs> evidence to suggest that what you have said is accurate.
1: Now, what about the books that aren't part of those particular franchises? Would you say that you have the creme de la creme
2: of the bullshit
1: trade sci-fi
2: paperbacks? <laughs> uh... So it's great. Uh, you know, I was reading one of my favorite old trade paperbacks a couple years ago, and yeah. I was astonished how shit it was. <laughs> uh, like, a couple years ago, I was like, oh, man, I remember, like, just waiting with bated breath for, like, this trilogy to conclude. I was reading it, and I was like, this is really bad. <laughs> like, these are really bad characters. And also, this seems way more sexist than I remember, but it doesn't know it's sexist. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, I probably should get rid of that stuff. Uh, The the other thing is, of course, like, you know, I, I have come around to this as well. Uh, Probably I should keep my book collection, like, at stuff that really means a lot to me. Uh, books I would really be annoyed if I did not have on hand for some kind of reference mm-hmm. and then books that would be like simply hard to replace, right? Like the, where just getting copies now is not easy and that's not where I'm at. Like I've got a bunch of shit that has just piled up that like, I haven't read, it was gifted to me, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still, I'm still hanging on to all that stuff, but it is, it is hard to, it's hard to let go. Much as it's hard to let go of these
0: Finby bookcases. Uh, although. Is it, I don't know. Two star review from Miss Winmo. You get what you pay for. This is a cheap piece of junk. But right now it's doing its job. It's doing its two job. Two stars.
1: What a, what a beautiful summation. Two stars for doing object. its job? It's doing its, it's job. And,
0: <laughs> and I didn't think to read the box or look, up, look it up online. Because I thought the display was what I was getting.
3: <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. <laughs> well, and okay. Okay,
3: but hold on. The overalls on this, it's still got a
0: 4.5. But uh, how many reviews? It only has 83. It's an Ikea product that is cheap and only has 83 reviews.
3: 142 on, on this one that I'm seeing. Okay. One I'm, he linked this,
0: to, one he linked this to only has 83 4.5 stars. Yeah, that's because. what I'm looking at. But Patrick.
2: Oh, wait, click in.
0: Pa- have you
2: considered... That when these were bought new, they mm-hmm. were thirty dollars, and so if I ever need to rebuy Finby bookcases, I, oh how I will lament this hasty decision! Wow,
3: what?
1: How many uh,
2: shelves do you have
1: like built under the wall?
2: Oh zero. There's no built-in shelves. Okay, <laughs> in this, in
1: this. great, cool. Get get rid of the fucking bookcases. Just wall mount. Just wall mount some shelves. Put the books on there. It's the oh, same. No, if, of- I,
2: if I wall mount shelves, we're entering. Built-in bookcase territory.
1: The MK should mount the shelves.
3: <laughs> <That's> <laughs>
1: I mount true. the shelves. Me, That's true. Let me, let,
3: me,
1: let, me be, let me be really clear about what I, I was. I was being kind in this moment. Uh, MK should mount some shelves.
2: You don't think I should like commission joiners to no. come and build mm-hmm. in beautiful bookshelves? Funny, our contractor didn't either. I was like, "Is this possible?" And he was like, "Did you win the lottery?" <laughs> and we were like no but it, se- it doesn't seem it doesn't seem that hard Guess it's shelves. List. you build them into the wall but apparently it's very hard so anyway uh, that's what I was doing this weekend uh, in between well no hang on I finally made uh, my mom's chocolate chip bread uh, and wow. it was like my best loaf in years nice you know what the secret was, Kato? That's a great phrase. Ricardo. Could, could you please just <laughs> give me that mv 3
0: later? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Add it to the Rob soundboard, please. Yeah,
1: it was so clean, faneers. no one else was talking. Shut the fuck just up,
0: <laughs>
1: Best loaf in years. You know- are
0: <laughs> searching for it every day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know what the secret was? Well, regale me. In previous years, I've tried to think about like how can I work some whole grain in here? How can I use some whole wheat flour? Mm. How can I use some starter maybe to like give a little zest uh-huh. to that to that to that crumb? So all things. And are this gonna... year, I was like, "What if I just use what the recipe says?" <laughs> yeah, which is just nothing but all-purpose flour, a lot <laughs> That's of sugar. What
3: recipes are for? And oh,
2: like a fistful of quick rise yeast Oof. like wow. it's just okay. it was an enormous amount yeah. uh, to get this fucker to to, to rise <laughs> and it turns out having done all that uh it was the like it was it was extraordinary it was a lot of fun to do while, while it was snowing um but yeah of the rest the of my things, weekend was
3: of all the things that you can like fuck around with baking is one of the ones that you shouldn't
2: just change shit it's gonna well no if you like if you cha- for instance if you're like i want to use whole wheat flour you are changing like hydration levels and like, like everything else is going to have to tweak. And I found, uh, I did find like passable versions. I got to some decent, like, you know, I made some decent loaves, (laughs) but this time I just, I was, I was humble and I was like, the only things I would give to myself is the fancy chocolate and the Luxardo cherries. And, uh, Mm. that, that made a lot of difference, but yeah, rest of the rest of the weekend has been like frantically trying to, get all of our shit out of the storage area and then playing a game that I can't talk about, but, Oh, I wish I could. Um, well, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to have really, really great battles in Marvel's midnight Suns. Wow. Like real, like MK and I, like we got it. We took the wrong composition to a mission that was like rated hard. And I was like, I want some of my lower level characters, to get some experience. And, uh, Mm. crucially like they do auto level like your characters do have a floor that okay. is like four levels below your highest level character so you do not have you do not get in the XCOM death spiral of like i have characters <laughs> that are not viable for the stage of the game right but within that there's still a lot of variance in terms of like how how much your guys can sustain in a battle if they are like the the floor versus the the ceiling mm-hmm. so we we took in a a party that was not particularly complimentary in terms of uh abilities and they were all a little bit under leveled to a mission that was rated hard mm. and had a it was one of the it was a mission type uh where you have to stop a hydra operative from escaping but they are protected by like a big bruiser and then unbeknownst to me when you once you capture the hydra operative a boss is summoned uh that's that's really nasty Plus the things that are guarding the Hydra operative um, are all like, uh, like, what's the put like soul linked or like life linked, but basically mm-hmm. you have to kill both or the oh, other will be yeah. rezzed. Right. Um, so we spent like two hours uh, MK and I like trying to figure out like how we were going to like we ran it like three or four times. And it was like skin of the teeth when we finally did it, but it was also like you know how when you get a really good tactics battle, it's like you've done three shots of espresso, uh, yeah. just and you're just like <laughs> flying high at yeah. the end of it. That was that game, uh, like that is that is now the that is now where I'm at in mm-hmm. that Midnight Suns where like I am starting to get like really top shelf tactics battles, uh. Again, like I wasn't seeing this earlier in the game. Uh it seems like it's it's taken a long time to unfurl all its possibilities, but man, it was really good.
3: I still got to play that game.
2: <laughs> Every, everyone does. Congratulations to Marvel's Marvel's Midnight Suns uh 2023's tactics game of 2022. So that was that was my weekend. Uh Patrick, you know, I've ha- I have my own crosses to bear, obviously, but I couldn't figure out whether the end of play Tale Requiem was like annoying or gutting, like emotionally. I couldn't figure out if you were pissed at the game or if you'd been like emotionally destroyed by the game. And so, I'm very curious. How did? What did? What did
0: you come away with there? Uh, I, I quite like the game. Um, it it barely justifies. A lot of itself, it is It is 24, not 24, 20 hours long. It is kind of twice as long as the original Plague Tale. Oof. In which, you know, it's gorgeous. Like, that's the best thing I can say about the first one, the best thing I can say about the second one. Like, the some of the imagery in A Plague Tale is just haunting and vivid and, and beautiful, and it's what gets me going from next scene to... Uh, from one scene to the next, it's also melodramatic as all hell. Like the logic is out the window. Nothing about this world actually adds up if you try and pick away at what is being accomplished <laughs> here at all. But it's fine because the characters are—you just, just kind of get swept up in the, their nonsense. And so, it is the kind of game that I don't know that I'd recommend playing on, on its normal difficulty. It is the like the the basic stealth, like throw a rock to distract a guard, sneak around them stuff that is it is all that you did in the first one it's about all that you do here with some, some some flourishes in between uh it never quite justifies all that um but nonetheless i found myself really taken by the story and the world and the tens of thousands of rats chasing me for the the hundredth time, which never quite got old. That little gimmick uh, is is pretty great. But when I got to the end, and it's a very uh, uh, very effective uh, emotionally charged ending that that worked pretty well for me. But you get to the end of it, it's like okay, they did two of these. Man, they really stretched me on the second one. Definitely don't need a third one. Hopefully they kind of you know take their lessons from this world and what they are trying to accomplish and go do something else. Well, and then they do the teaser for the third one <laughs> Oh, shit <laughs> I was like, all right, make me a thirty hour third one I would do another one of these in a heartbeat, which is to say they actually the way they set up the third one is really novel and interesting and would allow them to do a lot of the stuff they were doing here uh without spoiling too much in a totally different context that you would go okay, yeah the spaceship I, not no I don't wanna I, I'll um Skip ahead sixteen minute if you don't want to know the the cliffhanger for a Plague Tale Requiem. But like the whole the whole bit of a Plague Tale is that there are like these cursed bloodlines that have something called the Macula, which allows you to summon poisonous rats. But again, don't think about it too much. But it makes so basically, there's a cursed child. That there's that is, is gonna be responsible for so many deaths that they cannot control. It is a horrible burden to bear. And the solution to it in the past and in these games seems to be the child has to die. You have to kill the child to stop this. And then Oh, like the Shyamalan movie. It, and then it has and it'll happen again. There there is you don't get to the end of a Requiem and and feel as though, hey. Like we found a cure, like we're gonna stop this from happening in the future. It's mostly like you get to the end of the game, and 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 the the, the, the you know the, the little boy dies. Which okay, I'm gonna spoil even further. So of you made this far, you don't <laughs> want more specifics on Requiem. Keep skipping further ahead. <laughs> this game ends. God, so the whole I'm bit so of, pissed. Am I right? <laughs> Do you not
3: want to hear this, Kato? No, no no, no, no. It means uh, it,
2: the edit job I'm is just, gonna like, be I'm
3: just dropping
0: notes and notes. It's yeah, yeah, It's okay, fun. it's good. <laughs> this whole this whole game is about you. Sp- spinning a rock and like throwing that at the heads of enemies in different ways. And this game ends with your brother that you've gone through 30, I guess probably well, like 35 hours of, of, of rats. This, the burden on you as the sister has been awful. This, this, the whole second game is about the burden of like death and grief and like mindless killing that this girl is dealing with. And the boy sacrifices himself to this macula, to this plague. And it's about to take over the world and blot out the sun And you fight your way towards the center of this. And the boy, the brother, tells the sister, you know what you have to do. And the end of the game is you taking out, spinning this rock slowly. And as it's about to go forward, the game cuts to black. um, And has a really delightful, uh, uh, moving uh, sort of epilogue about what happens. And then basically, like, the way the, 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 the story ends is... I need to help the next person that is going to be cursed with this. I need to leave some sort of evidence behind of like what you can do to mitigate the play. Like, like somebody of work for the, ne- the next time this comes back. And so my, in my head, I was like, okay, I guess maybe the next game would be like her partnering up with like another kid or something like that. But I don't know. Like that just seems like you're just doing the same game all over again. Like mm. the same kind of medieval setting. Like boring. So I watched, you know, credits come up, I go and, you know, get a beer or something like that, come back and, you know, it's like, oh, maybe there's a tease at the end. Well, the tease is like someone sitting in a bed and then like the camera is panning up and you're seeing like this blood clotting that occurs, uh, that signals that uh, you've been infected with this. But then you start to hear medical equipment, heart monitors. And it's like, oh, We've jumped to the modern era. Like the rats are going to infest New York or something like that. Right. And I'm going to hey, get what to else watch is new buddy.
3: <laughs> right. Right. They're right. just they're already what? everywhere. It's like, hey. hey. The rats are going to hate. They this wouldn't. News. No one would notice anything's changed because nothing's changed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, these 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 rats are pretty bad, Kato. I feel like even New York might pay attention to these. Um, I don't know where it's going to be said, but it's clearly modern like setting if they get to make the third one and that just sounds fucking like instead of a single slice and one
3: rat it's like a whole slew of them carrying an entire pie on their back
0: yeah (laughs) taking down skyscrapers like it also means they'll have to get rid of the you know slinging a rock around mechanic like they'll have to do Actually, you you know what maybe keep that maybe I'm just still hitting soldiers (laughs) in the head with rocks 45 caliber handgun (laughs) just just,
1: just get for a 45 it's what the games have been building to the entire time you know it's at some Uh, point you just have to commit to the fact that you just need to make it a third-person shooter because <laughs> exactly. everything else is really like yeah.
2: uh, what, did, what did people who didn't have guns use for guns back then? slings we, slings are like guns mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
0: and it worked like they you know it's fine like that that part was not its, its strength but it was it was it was fine enough uh, but the the contextual setting yeah. of where this might take place got me I was at the end I was like all right I was fully done with this series and now they have to make a third one so mm-hmm. Patrick real
2: mm-hmm. quick I, and I'm yeah. sorry this is just. Huge, serious spoilers. So, apologies. The first game was about you protecting your uh, your little brother, right? Yes. And then there was also a little kid that you met up with at some point.
0: Um, but
2: so this game, you're still protecting your little bro.
0: Yeah. So the the first game ends with the implication being that, like, the basically like the the church and sort of like the secret cult that knows about the macula was their solution to the problem was we're going to chain you up in a basement miles beneath the earth and just hope that contains everything. And in the second game, you like discover like that child that was chained up in a, a different child that was chained up in a basement and it didn't work out. He was just down there mad, brooding and creating billions of rats that would later, um, you know, become part of a part of a plague. Uh, and so the first, the first game, like that's part of what the, some of the issue with the second game is like, the first game sort of ends in a way that like didn't necessarily need a second one. Um, right. Like, they don't, you don't, you don't cure the plague necessarily, but the presumption is well taken away, like stress, anxiety. Those are things that accelerated the like growth of it in the kid. And was like, well, we'll just live a quiet farm life away from everything. And uh, like, hopefully you know, things can be, things can be okay. And like the implication at the end of the first game is that the plague has receded as, as a result of that. And so they just sort of create a conceit for you know like the church comes after him yada yeah. yada yada in the second one um and they sort of run out of going <clears> to <throat> run out of runway at a certain point
2: is the implication just if they just like killed this kid that none of this would have happened that yeah. all of the yeah
0: they yeah. just should have killed this kid like hands yeah. down like like kid yeah. just should have gotten killed that yeah kid is born the first time you see the black <clears throat> in their in the in, in their arms is just take him out back just Bake him a nice pie full of poison, and where's, just uh, and just move on with your lives.
3: Where's Michael Jordan where you need him?
2: <laughs> I just, you know what this this feels like a really a a, <clears throat> a really decisive counterpoint to Ursula Le Guin. Like just just you know I I think asked and answered. Like sometimes you just gotta you, you just gotta hit that kid with a sling.
0: Well, and, so, uh, and, and <laughs> it actually, it, you know, it, it, ends up like riffing on the broader themes of, of the second game specifically, which is about this sister killing countless people. And rather than the game, ignoring that it is, it is implied that like the sister is mentally deteriorating. The brother is, is watching his sister do all of this for him, which is causing him anxiety and stress, which is exaggerating the, <clears throat> the, the, kind of like the plague, you know, virus thing that he's dealing with. Um, and they keep th- like the, the way the story is structured is in the way that you normally would structure a story like this. Or you would assume is like, oh, well, they will just keep digging through the rubble and they're going to find a cure. Like, yes, every town that they go to inevitably is destroyed by millions of rats. Mm. This brother and sister have killed so many people by going on the run, going to a, a place- lot of them just wanted to not die in a rat plague. In this game, the second half of the game takes place on an island that is specifically sort of locked off from things. So this won't happen. And they just bring the rats to them. And clearly tens of thousands of people are dying as a result. And so, yes, it is true that the best thing to have would have uh, for them to have done was just to kill the kid early on. And just that sucks. But like one kid to save, you know, countless millions, yada, yada, yada. Um But usually in these stories, like, if you keep digging through the rubble, you're going to find the secret piece of alchemy that is going to, like, we're going to solve this. And it'll all be worth it because then we have the cure and then millions won't die in the future as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't find any of that. Just everybody dies Sounds and then you hell. gotta kill your brother with a rock to the forehead.
1: One, sick as shit. Two yeah. really <laughs> the games industry's really been on a roll of games where you have to kill a kid to save everyone else, theoretically. Mm-hmm. We we've we, it's, it's been a good few years for uh child for <laughs> for omalosing a kid, you know?
0: <laughs> and, and and they uh I didn't encounter this because it felt like it was fitting for the um the sister uh like there's at the end if you hesitate long enough another companion you're you're with this 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 guy Lucas who's kind of an alchemist <laughs> he's like well shit if you're gonna hesitate I'm gonna kill that fucking kid and he takes out <laughs> a bow and arrow and just awesome <laughs> and, and <sighs> so there's no alternate <clears throat> uh, you know when I I finished the game and someone said did you see the alternate ending and I was like oh man is there one where I don't immediately assume I need to kill my brother, and like we do find the secret alchemy page, and it's all okay. It's like no, that's not what happens. It's just the other companion in your party goes. If you are the <laughs> coward, I, I I will I will kill this. <laughs> I will fuck them kids uh, it uh, right now. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's it's dark, and it really I I it felt earned. You know, it's melodramatic in a in a way that I I enjoyed. But um, uh even if you know all of this. Because of the drama, if, if if you find it all appealing, I think you will still have a good time with it. It might be worth like ratcheting the difficulty down to its easiest level and just removing as much friction so you can just enjoy the spectacle of it. Because that's the nature of melodrama, is that even as someone that's pretty sensitive to spoilers and tries not to know things, because it's melodramatic, like being in the moment with it is still really interesting and effective. Um, because it's not entirely reliant just on. The plot construction. Because mm-hmm. again, if you think about that stuff too much, it doesn't really work.
1: Melodrama fucking rules.
2: I do lo- no. So wait, the girl's <laughs> like, I need to help the next kid with this, but you just got to kill the
0: kid. Yeah, that's. Like, how's sure that, how's that your life quest? <laughs> yeah, it sure seems to be where we're left off. That's just a hitman um, game. I mean, well, you in, don't ther- get this in theory. Yes, in theory, the thing you should do is probably just kill the kid as soon as you recognize that the plague is back. But I think there is an implication. By the end of the first game that if you knew this and could go into hiding and truly be secluded, you know, you would still know that death would be like the option if you couldn't keep it under control, but that you could just go live a solitary life with a family and it wouldn't extend out from where you are. But that at the end of the day, you might have to pull out a a, sl- a sling and just, you know, do the dark business.
1: Yeah, you got to almost the kid. You know, like if you almost lost the kid early enough, everybody's fine. But Mm -hmm. once it gets past a certain point,
0: you just got to, you know, which it's so then all this implies is, is, you know, time to play a third game where I need to kill, brutally kill another child after millions die, but not but not before a city (coughs) like New York beautifully dis- is destroyed at the hands of many talented artists at this studio as, r- as rats just built for their way through through the city oh man wait. can you imagine
2: luxury towers around central park being like covered in rats and being brought to earth that'd be awesome <laughs> yes. that'd be tight as hell <laughs> yes. honestly uh, that's
3: praxis to me
5: I feel like I they I'm, can't I'm, I
3: feel like I can't, I they can't in, go to kill the kid again though
0: right yeah, I assume like, in the third game that they are finally you gonna have to fall into the like. okay so Kato I agree yeah is it more likely that, okay, the third one, finally, on. we're going to find someone to this? At the end of the first this? game, though, Patrick, you were like, they can't just do all these mechanics again. And they did. <laughs> right. And so I think out of what they need to do is just look the, look the player in the eye and say, you sick fuck. <laughs> did you come back to another one of these thinking, oh, this time we'll dig deeper into the mythology and uh-huh. find the secret alchemy page. And save this kid. Oh, it's
3: like, what no, what they think is no. alchemy is just science to us. Like, we'll figure out a cure, right? There's a cure for this plague.
0: And I, yeah, that can motivate a lot of the plot. And then at the end, you're going to have a Glock in your Walk. hand. Walk. I was going to say, you're yeah. you're going to have a kid on his knees. <laughs> no. And you're going to be saying, sorry, sorry, buddy.
1: Also, Kato, uh, do you really trust the the real world pharmaceuticals industry to find a real cure no, for the I think they're gonna try I'm and ex- You're going to
0: try and weaponize it, right? Right. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. That, does happen in, yeah. that happens in the first game. In the God first game, there is uh, like one of the main boss, like the, the main boss at the end is somebody who the reason they want the brother is because they want to they want the power that he has. And it is transferable. Mm. Like you, that there, there is a way that you can if you get contaminated with it, most people die. But some people can survive the infection process and become like p- powerful rat magicians. And this person wants to become one of those. And so I would assume the third game is not going to be the pursuit of a cure, but is going to be, hey, what if not one rat magician, but many rat magicians, like a, sur- a circus, if you will, of rat magicians. It,
1: it, we're getting increasingly close to this game just being like, get in the robot, but for rat children, you know, like how, how effectively can you weaponize, how, how effectively can you weaponize rat children? <laughs> can what, what what will the state do to to weaponize rat children you know just getting on your giant rat mecca
2: i am i am so excited by this revelation because patrick i would bet my bottom dollar that yes at the end of this mm-hmm. there's a redemptive like but now the curse is lifted and instead it's like you just need to. No, you go to visit no. this
0: really tender grave for your brother, who you clearly just nuked. Like I mean, just just the way she throws these rocks is brutal in the game, and if you if you extrapolate that to the front face of your brother, I mean, it's just. Oh yeah,
2: you're just like you're basically killing them with shards of their own skull. Like oh. the sling is not it is not pretty. How that how that thing does its business. Um, also I do love the idea that like we've entered, we have the dad game era, mm. but now we have the dark middle aged like father era where it's like, but you know, kids have kind of destroyed my life <laughs> <laughs> and on a deep, like on a level I do not like oh, to acknowledge. Oh, so now we're headed to like I divorce I about, dad energy, oh, right? right? Like
0: we start the last of us, you know, uh, you know, opens up the age of the dad, yeah. I love my kids. Like I'm gonna be, I'm I'm a girl dad. Like I'm, I'm I'll do anything for bosser. my daughter, any day. Yeah, and then ten years later, like actually, <laughs> I well, we do with these kids. We're
1: entering the era. Yeah, we're entering the era of the fucked up kid. Like, yeah, like I mean, that is that is the Ellie, kids vibes that's were, were up off. Daughter. To be yeah, fair, um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> they were very off. And you know, got when got you can summon plague
1: rats. You're starting to wonder. Hmm. His kids vibes are off. All of them. These these kids. We're producing shitty kids. Oh fuck. Oh <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I love uh, it. The the 70s gave us the Age of Aquarius and we have the Age of the Fucked
0: Up Kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tata, what, what I need you to do is uh when you edit this uh and I I uttered the phrase skip ahead 1 minute, which clearly is not what not, happened no, once I yeah, many, But can enough. you just dub over with your own voice? <laughs> yeah. 17 minutes 43 <laughs> seconds it ends whatever ends up being. Ended up
2: being.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe just append to the
2: epi- end of the episode. Uh <laughs> honestly, <laughs>
0: Uh, well, so sorry, I just I just as soon as I started thinking about how it ended, I was like, I cannot just be wishy-washy on the mechanics of this game. I was yeah. like, I got to go. I just no one else is going to play this. I just got to reveal what, <laughs> what happened
2: here. Well, now that we've all been on that uh, wild journey, there's one other fucked up world I want to talk about. Uh, Ren, you been playing more Rain World, which just got an expansion. Um, yeah. So us, so like. For people who don't remember, Rain yeah. World was like people described it as almost like animal platformer stalker vibes uh in in some ways
1: let me let me push back against animal platformer stalker yeah it's it's animal platform far cry 2 okay in that like stalker stalker's interactions are interesting and like it has a world that acts without your presence in it but it is not too systemic well, right, I also think like, part of
2: the analogy was was um, aesthetic though as well.
1: Yes, 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 yes. There is there is definitely and an, 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 the, the aesthetics of stalker with 100 percent And also I think that Far Cry 2 is actually a pretty good mechanical touch touchstone mm-hmm. because it is a deeply is a game interested in modeling an ecology, uh, and then putting someone in that ecology, uh, in, in, in a world that can be affected
2: by the and player. Now, if memory serves the wrap on Rain World, was also that it did do that very effectively. Yes. and you were thoroughly not near the apex of that ecology. No. And um, it you're could at the be bottom. a real fucking slog.
1: It is Rainworld is uh, I think a lot of games are called player agnostic. Um mm-hmm. Rainworld is pretty player agnostic, but I also think that it is Once you have access to its tools and like once you understand how to use its tools, like the first few hours are a real grind of learning how to exist in the world, both in terms of like, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, The game does the game explain half of its movement mechanics? No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't explain half of its movement mechanics at all. You got to figure that shit out, dork um
0: <laughs> yeah that's me that's me turning the game off dork <laughs> yeah no exactly
1: it's uh, listen i i don't think it's for everybody i think it's for renata <laughs> mm-hmm. um the movement mechanics are incredible right like if once you get down to it it's some of the most expressive movement i've ever had in a video game in addition to a really really unique and unsettling procedural animation style uh, if you have not looked at how some of the creatures move in Rain World, it is fucking mortifying. Uh, I, I can pull up a clip of a vulture uh, flying in the game, and it is just, like, really upsetting. But It's, really, this- it's
0: really expressive, uh, is what it is. Um, um, it, 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 it is a game that feels like on an animation level, punching above its weight by the way that the animals exist in the world. And where it's like these these are normally be things that would be designed and tailored and like like oh when i come into this area this happens because like this is how the creators wanted me to see this scene play out and what you realize after going through you know an area 9 times in a row because you don't really know how the the jumping works is that no like the scene's going to change every single time that you come in um and a lot of that is due to the games just really, yeah. Like, I think expressive is like the like the best possible word for explaining how it looks to watch both your character and like the other. They're not really enemies. It's just, again, it's it's the game. This game's models an ecology yeah. and models an environment, and so um you're just lower on that pyramid. But it's not necessarily that they're enemies as much as because you don't have to also have to defeat them, right? Like, it is not a game in which go into room, destroy enemies, collect resources, move on frequently the move in rain world is to go uh just get to the other side and let the other the other creatures fight it out between them
1: yeah it's it's extremely sick and also like there's so many you can interact with that ecology in so many different ways so like the primary enemy type in the game are these lizards um they are these they are the primary predator you're going to be interacting with uh and you can fight lizards like actually try and kill them Uh, in which case you throw a rock at their head to stun them and their head flicks back and then you try and get a spear in them before they recover. Uh, Or you can do my favorite move, which is running from a lizard, then backflipping over them and then throwing a spear down to pin them to the ground, run and grab a second spear and then just go poke, stab, poke, stab, poke, stab uh, until they are gone. Or you can, uh, you know find a another animal they prey on somewhere in the environment, like a noodle fly or a squid kata, uh, kill that or capture it, and then throw that into the room as a distraction so they bother with the uh, animal you just tossed in there as opposed to, you know, your little slug cat body. Or if you do that enough times, you can start to tame lizards by feeding them enough animals from the environment and, like... Learning how to recognize what different objects are and how to interact with them is so fucking cool. I found like this little like hard rock, like hard red rock, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I carried it up to my little shelter because the game has a day as a like a cycle of days, right. And at the end of every day, the rain comes uh, and if you don't hibernate, uh, you are killed by the massive downpour from the rain. So you have to get to shelter at the end of every day. And so I hibernate with this little rock uh, in my shelter and then it turns out to be a noodle fly egg. And so two little noodle flies hatch and decide that I am their noodle fly parent. Uh, And so I have these little flies following me around uh, and it's great. I'm like, oh, these are my little buddies. And then eventually I'm like, I need food really bad. And then I'm like, I don't want to eat my noodle flies. I'll feel bad about that. I could instead use my noodle flies to tame a lizard. And then I'm not the one eating the noodle flies that I hatched. Then it's, then it's a third party doing that dark work. Uh, so let me try and find one of the lizard types, because there's like seven different types of lizard yeah. that you can tell by their coloration. Let me find one of the lizard types that's really good uh, as a companion. Uh, there's like one, there's like blue lizards who can just crawl through the air and don't have to like have any scaffolding. And so they can follow you literally anywhere. And I was like, I'm going to try and hunt one of those fuckers down and take these two f- double fist, these flies and throw them at him and be like, please be my buddy. And like, that's sick as hell. Um, and there are other moments where you see the food chain uh, become extremely terrifying which is i posted a gif in our uh uh d- discord chat of the vulture uh, and a vulture is a higher level predator than the lizards and arguably one of the best ways to escape a vulture attack is to try and lure it over to a bunch of lizards because lizards are easier to hunt than the slug cat because they cannot respond in the way that the slug cat can because the slug cats are fast Compared to everything else in the environment, the slug cats are pretty fast. Um, And so you have to, like, manipulate uh, creatures in very particular ways and try and, like, remember, okay, if I'm in this area, I know that these creatures are in these locations. Let's see if I can bait this vulture over to these guys over here because I remember that they were here from the first time I passed through. Uh, Or I know that there's a habitat and they might be there. And it's just these, like, constantly learning and this, like, really deep um you get you it's really deep understanding of how this specific Mm -hmm. environment functions and it's extremely sick and you need to do that to survive
2: so now if memory serves i feel like i was editing pieces on rain world like early in my time at waypoint Mm -hmm. uh now this is an expansion uh some considerable time has has gone by what specifically is the like what's what's the pitch on the expansion
1: So the pitch in the expansion is that it is primarily for uh, one, it is a is a way to like reignite people's interest. Because I think that the I think that general taste in games uh, has changed since the game's original release in 2017, um, 2016. So it is it is a try try this again kind of expansion because it is a lot of the things that they added were um, in terms of new content is stuff for second playthroughs. Uh, all of the new slug cats they added, they added seven new kinds of slug cat, uh, each of which is like has a totally different play style from the standard slug cat, the survivor. Uh, they added the Spearmaster, the Gourmand, the Artificer, the Saint, uh, and I think two others, but each of those plays like wildly different. Like the okay. Spearmaster doesn't have a mouth. Uh, you can't eat as the spear master. Instead, your slug cat body generates keratin spears that connect to your um to your own body. Mm-hmm. And so you spear an enemy and then suck out their juice, juice. Uh, to finish them off. And so that slug cat can only hunt uh, large prey like lizards, as opposed to every other species which can like, you know, just eat things normally. Um they also added a bunch of a couple of new areas to the game. Uh, like, different regions where there's, like, more lore and, like, more side content to do. Because this is a very big game. Rain World is fucking huge. Um, And then finally, they added a truly astounding array of custom difficulty options and, like, tweaks you can make. I'll try and pull up the full list right now. Um, They are significant.
2: But in some ways, like, is it... Am I doing violence to this if I say it's, like... A huge, like, ultimate new game plus, like, style expansion.
1: No, I think that is a a pretty fair... That's a pretty fair uh, description. With the note that I do think the options they add, which I'm going to send here, are significant enough that you could probably get through your first thing, your first route Like, it is, it is design. it's not just new game plus, it is making the game, uh, playable.
2: More accessible, yeah. Yes, more
1: accessible. Because, like, if you look here, you know, how many cycles do you get? Uh, how many, uh, do you want centipede pipe protection? Um, and all of these things are, or like, fast map. Um, so these are, like... These things are designed to allow new players to actually play the video game.
3: My visual breath meter? Does that mean that if you're swimming or something, you don't know how long Correct. you have until you... Okay. Correct.
0: <laughs> yep.
5: Listen, and it, it's, I think it's
0: cool that Amazing. this stuff is here. Like, so I, I played this for about an hour. There's nothing wrong with Rainworld. Rainworld should be what Rainworld wants to be. And like a game with zero direction, obtuse mechanics... And stuff like that, like you're saying, Kato, of, like, you don't know how long you can breathe. It's like, you know what? Sometimes you just get to a point in your life where, like, it's okay, game. Like, you be you. Mm -hmm. I be me. And, like, usually I like these, like, Metroid-style, like, obviously I don't have a problem with really hard games. But I definitely have a problem with, like, non-directive games. Mm -hmm. And, like, that amps up the frustration. And for me, it's like – I think all the accessibility stuff should be there. I am not making an argument that people shouldn't be able to gut the the shit out of the systems here, and and if there's certain things that are annoying them, to to fix them. But I'd rather take sort of Rain World on its like what it is presenting and its like most honest self. And if that doesn't work for me, well then I'll just go find something else mm-hmm. to play.
2: But I don't know. Like it does seem like you know, in six years, like uh, I think there is room to reevaluate. Like maybe the on the maybe the on ramp was too steep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to provide people like more more ways in because like I was looking this up like this game came out a week after I started at Waypoint uh so I remember like reading pieces about this where people were like it's so cool I really want to like it but I also don't know if I can recommend it it's a huge pain in the ass and so I I do think in, in, in six years there's there's room to uh you know rather than necessarily being a well get straight into the deep end of the pool type experience you create a shallows for people to play around with and, and slowly like acclimate to just systemically what is happening here. So that a ton of arbitrary death is such a huge hurdle for me to get, mm. get over in a game. Uh, Ren, you were saying, well, the other thing is that, you know, we're five years out. Um, yeah.
1: and that means that the games community has done a lot of work of cataloging what things are. Yeah. And so like, if you combine all of these options with a wiki, I think that Rain World is it is still a difficult game in, in difficult in ways that other games just aren't um, and have no interest in being difficult. And uh, that's part of why I like it. But um, I think it is a very different experience than it would be playing it, you know, five or six years ago, because you have those resources of a wiki uh, in addition to all of these like really um, in-depth options.
2: Um, Well, you know, I mean, this is something that I'd always been curious about, but the difficulty discussions and also just the grimness of it, uh, kind of put me off, but it definitely looks, it, it does look really, really interesting. And it'd be awesome if like more people did find a way into the game this time around with this expansion.
1: Yeah. I think that like, if, if you need to be pitched on RimWorld if if you take one thing away from this discussion, right, it is a game about figuring shit out. Uh, but also, once you figure it out, it is some of the most expressive, like, not just animation, like we were talking about earlier, but some of the most expressive gameplay and platforming I've ever encountered, right? Like, the way you can chain together movement feels unlike anything else uh, once you, like, learn how to do it. It's it's fucking crazy. Uh, I, I love it a lot.
2: All right, and that is... Uh, does, sorry, does the new... Is it a new paid expansion? Uh, yes. Okay. Is it downpour? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that that came up. That's that's all for, uh, well, it's on sale right now, but it, it will go up to $15 right now. It's 13, $13.50. Uh, and you can check that out. I think we will take a break here. Uh, and when we come back, we'll be back with an interview. Patrick, can you tell us what we will be hearing uh,
0: when, when we come back from break? Uh, yeah, I had a chance to talk with uh, two folks from Motive Studio, who is the uh, developer within EA that is doing the uh, remake. They were very, I, I remember at the top of the interview, I was like, is this remaster? How do you reboot? And they said remake. Remake was the term they, they were using internally. Uh, for Dead Space, uh, I, I spoke with Realization Director Joel McMillan and Senior Writer Joe Barry, um, in uh, which we had a, a really delightful conversation uh, about what is too far for violence even in a dead space game they have a very specific answer for that that is that was really interesting um and then Rob and I'll get to come back later this week and tell you what we think of that uh, dead space uh, remake. So until then uh, you can listen to this interview right now. Hey everyone, and now we got a special little treat. Uh, recording this on Friday the 13th, although you will not listen to it on Friday the 13th. But just know that energy is in the air and uh, permeating uh, this conversation. I am uh, fortunate to be joined by two folks from Moda Studio the, uh, working on the upcoming uh, Dead Space remake, or master update. I don't know which terminology you want to use. Remake? Okay, alright, I want to know what is the official. <laughs> I'm joined by uh, Realization Director Joe McMillan and Senior Writer Joe Berry. How are the two of you doing on this wonderful Friday the 13th?
6: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, right. we're, we're getting quite a bit of snow right now uh, in our neck of the woods here in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, but we're weathering the storm well. We're, hunk- I, we're
4: I, in here. I actually have a black cat on my lap, so very Friday the 13th. Oh, wow. <laughs>
0: so
4: you got a very black broken. cat. I'm, uh, I'm committing to the bit.
0: <laughs> uh, the snow is very... That's Dead Space 3, right? That's the one that has that's the right, very yes. wintry yeah. stuff?
6: Yeah. Yeah. We don't yeah. have that in the first
0: one. <laughs> um, Where, just kind of as a, on a basic level, are in terms of the game, are... Are you done? Is it just a PR gauntlet? You're just talking to folks like me, asking you similar questions over and over again. Is that where you're at uh, on on the game?
6: Yeah, I'd say for me personally, that's that's where we're at. You know, we're doing uh, some retrospectives, and we're doing uh, the press circuit and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our functional work on the project is uh, tapered off at this point.
0: Yeah. And When I was looking up, things like Moby Games, they are not entirely reliable. Services, crediting is a weird thing in video games, but... But yeah, yeah, so there's that. (laughs) And that could be a whole separate subject. But broadly speaking, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it does seem like prior to, you know, uh, being at uh, EA Motive, uh, the two of you worked at BioWare for the majority of your careers or all of your careers, is that correct?
6: Yes, yeah. yeah, Joe Joe and I, I, I've had the pleasure of working with Joe for a number of years now, um, going back through Mass Effect, uh, Dragon Age, uh, all sorts of titles. But uh, the majority of my career up until... um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 was was in uh, Bioware, was through Bioware.
4: Yeah, I was at Bioware for uh, nine years, I think. Um, yeah, so I started at Bioware Austin, then came to Bioware Montreal, and then Motive.
0: And so just, uh, I'm curious, just working on RPGs, you know, Battlefront's more of, a, more of a shooter. What is it like to then, horror is something completely different. Um, is that, was it? at all nerve-wracking was it exciting? i'm just curious like as as a genre piece what is it like to go from such a massive shift to a different different type of game like dead space
6: it's a good question like the the um over over the course of our of my career i i've, I've I started off in Mass Effect, working on the Mass Effect franchise, and then making that transition to Motive. We we got our hands on uh, a few, a couple Star Wars titles, and now we're going into Dead Space. And we were, we were reflecting on this recently. Those are all, you know, considered sci-fi pieces. That's a, those are all sci-fi franchises, uh, but they they couldn't be more different. In terms of the the flavor of sci-fi between all of them you know you have mass effect which is all about the clean sleek sophisticated kind of sci-fi star wars that's more of the cowboy fantasy sci-fi and now you have dead space which is uh, the suspense thriller survival horror uh that kind of thing and so it's been fun uh, getting to taste each of those flavors over the course of uh, uh, those franchises um for me, uh, you know, horror uh, probably next to sci-fi. Horror is my next favorite genre. Uh, you know, I think horror is a very healthy genre, and uh, uh, and we're starting to see quite a renaissance in in that genre now with with streaming services and, and indie games and films. Um, but the one thing I do like about horror is that when done uh, effectively. You get a good release from it, you know, a better release than say sci-fi or through drama and that kind of thing. There's a really cathartic release you get when horror is 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 executed properly, and I think that's uh, that's a great feeling, and I think it's a healthy thing for us to to experience, and uh, you know, having you know having gone through a world pandemic recently i think it's a good time for horror uh where people can go through and have that cathartic experience and, and not be afraid to be scared safely now you know it's 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 a safe scare for folks uh, at home in the comforts of their own couches and rooms and that kind of thing and so uh, for all those reasons i really do appreciate the genre
4: um and just thinking about what you were saying about um going from rpgs to horror um, a lot of especially bioware rpgs they're so uh they're so character driven they're really about people and you know hard decisions and choices and things like that so so one of the advantages of having works on that is um you know when you go to horror you, you you have to care about the people involved right you have to have investment in in them and their situation um so obviously it's not one to one but you can certainly bring some of those elements over um and then you, you you're able to really put people in uh, the shoes of someone who's in having the worst day of their life.
0: Well, I think that's an interesting point because I think horror – I'm a huge horror buff. It's like my wife and I, or like when we first started dating, it was um, – we'd go to the the, the the local video store at my college and it every time we found a new franchise that there were eight or nine of them, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, like they made seven Critters movies? Like, well, Saturday and Sunday are – they made
6: a... Well... No, all my box sets are... The second one is still the best one. The second Critters is... Yeah, they
0: don't... Yeah, look, uh, I'm not advocating... You know, very few franchises are uh, like uh, Friday the 13th where you get to Jason X and they suddenly have like an interesting re- an interesting renaissance towards the end. But I, I think, I think Joe, you, you make an interesting point in which horror, when done right, um, or at its best, uh, have characters that you're invested in and it elevates everything else that's going around it. That is frankly as someone that's watched too much of the genre rarely the case (laughs) of what happens in the genre you know practically like a lot of times it's it's like the you know the 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 creativeness of a kill or an ingenious premise and the characters are more or less just uh how far can we get along to like kind of see how that premise plays out and so it's interesting to, to hear you note that that is what you know that's kind of where that whole conversation around sort of the I hate the term, but elevated horror, right? Like the Jordan Peels of the world, you know, I think it's a very kind of derogatory term for the genre for folks that don't spend a lot of time in it, but what it reflects, I think is that sentiment that you're getting at is that you care about the characters, the setting and the thrills. And those are all working together to tell a story that is more than just the body count of a Jason Voorhees.
4: Well, I mean, one of my favorite horror films is the thing. And that film does not work without absolutely you know what i mean it's like the 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 paranoia and the suspense and everything it only you you get you you get to know the characters very quickly and they're you know they're not they're not cliches that they all feel rounded and you know even the 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 quick time you spend with them at the beginning you get to know everybody you understand who mccready is who copper is who palmer is all this sort of thing um and then it's this sort of slow burn but it's all leading in out from those characters and and you know when gary says like i've known bennings for 10 years like this can't be happening you actually you really feel for him um yeah, so that investment really pays off uh, throughout the whole film. But, you know, because it's, it, so much of that film is about paranoia and interacting with other characters.
6: It's a good point. They're really the the characters are really the window that you experience the 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 horror through. So it's important that you can relate to them. It's the same thing, you, Joe. You mentioned the thing, and our uh, some, one of our other source materials was uh, Alien, and Alien's the same mm. thing. You know, it's an extremely exotic environment. You know, you're in space. It couldn't be more exotic. You're on a spaceship, trapped trapped in a spaceship in space with an alien creature chasing you it was incredibly important for us to connect and relate to the characters in order for us to, to project ourselves into that world. Otherwise it would have just been too exotic and too distant, too hard to to put ourselves into.
0: Uh, Joe, you mentioned the thing, uh, Joel, I'm curious, is there sort of a foundational sort of horror text for you? Um, whether it's a film or a literature, like I'm curious where kind of your origins go on that.
6: Well, the the alien franchise was always a big. Uh, I'm a big fan of alien. The alien franchise, uh, um, first couple in particular, you know, there's you, they're a masterclass in building suspense and atmosphere and and all and characters. And so uh, we we leaned on those quite heavily. Uh, the thing is fantastic as well. I I, I agree with you. That's a, another strong go-to um, in terms of what we were doing on the project. You know, there was there was moments when I would also go back to Cronenberg's uh, uh, Fly, the Fly mm-hmm. from from the eighties, um, because I, f- I felt that that movie achieved a lot of what we were trying to do where you're balancing the psychological, uh, with the gore, you know, gore doesn't have to be gratuitous. You know, if you, if you pair it with a strong, uh, yeah, if it, if it, uh, lends itself to the, to the character development, then I, I think gore is, can support it and not just feel gratuitous. And I think the fly did that really, really well. Um, and so I would often go back to that one as, uh, as a reference point as well.
0: Well, the question is if you're going to, if you're saying an Aliens fan, for me as a hardcore Prometheus fan, I have to, I have to know, and maybe this is going to ruin the conversation I, I shouldn't have even asked, but I, I have to know what you, what you make of Prometheus.
6: Um... I think. <laughs> oh no! We, we I already know the answer. Other, <laughs> uh, we need a whole other uh, yeah. interview for this one. But uh, I, I think there was elements of Prometheus. I liked what he, what Ridley Scott was trying to do. With I agree. I agree. I think.
0: I think even people that don't like the movie can at least agree if you were told what it was aiming for on paper. It sounds really interesting.
6: It does. It sounds interesting. Uh, that the I think the bones of it were interesting. I think the where it fell flat or where it broke down for me is what we were talking about earlier with the characters. I felt like I couldn't relate to any of those characters. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I couldn't put myself in their shoes. I didn't empathize with any of them, and I didn't believe any of their uh, their decision making. You know, I, I, f- I felt it difficult to get on board with any of the decisions they were making across the the whole movie. So it was it was difficult to. To, to to appreciate the
0: experience. <laughs> I I, re, I re, I'm sorry, Joe. Go ahead.
4: I was going to say it has. I mean, it does have some um, great imagery.
0: Oh, it's incredible looking. I I it is it is. It, I re- recently rewatched it for as part of a, a work thing and in four K. It was actually one of the few movies that I missed the three D on in that era post Avatar, where everything was kind of getting like a three Dification because. That movie, I mean, Ridley Scott, whatever you think of the movies he's making these days, like, is still just an incredible visual artist. And that movie opens with that just amazing scene with the, uh you know, one of the Prometheans, like, out in the fog. And I just remember uh th- those opening minutes, if you just don't watch anything past that, I think everyone can agree, like, wow, this movie could really go to some cool places. Um, and then, you know, then we all depart. Uh, uh, from there, uh, potentially,
6: um, we did re- we referenced it quite a bit back on on Mass Effect. You know, when it came out, you know, we drew on some of the visuals uh, and the imagery uh, for inspiration mm-hmm. for Mass Effect. So, I, I mean, yeah, it's not without its its wins and, mm-hmm. and its strengths. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a couple areas where it fell a little bit flat, and, and that that was my barrier to entry there.
0: <laughs> uh, separate from uh, horror films, I'm curious, just as people who have just worked on a game that is you know meant to scare create tension are there any sort of like formative moments that you drew on like that scared you like were there things from your youth or like your own experience with being scared that you found yourself drawing on to kind of bring into to the project Uh, thinking about that one
6: do you have one
4: it wasn't so much a a personal thing but it was certainly um, when I was when we were like looking at Doctor Mercer's character. Mm-hmm. We we definitely came uh, to look at you, you know how we were going to revise his character and, and review him, and it was trying to think of um, what's scary about a doctor in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three when the games can come out, um, just to make sure that we were really hitting that note of of what feels scary uh, now and like what what's what's you know what what gets under your skin. You know, beyond someone being a villain, like what, you know, what kind of doctor would be the you know your sort of nightmare scenario to have? Um, and sort of going, you know, sort of thinking about it that way. Uh, and so trying to, you know, so it's, it's taking a very grounded approach to it, I guess. Um, you know, less of a you know sort of sci-fi villain and more, you know, that that sort of slow horror as you sort of realize what kind of person is treating you.
6: Yeah, that's a good that's a good point, Joe. Uh, and I think that came across really well. Like, I I, I do like our interpretation of Mercer and the remake. Like, I think uh, we between your script, between your dialogue and and the performance we got of, out of Ferran, uh I yeah. think he's hit a very creepy but believable uh, balance. You know, it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm very curious to see what the fans how the fans feel about him. There's a certain there's a very Ferran brought a lot of credibility. To the character, but I think the material that he was working with was very <laughs> creepy and, and and disturbing. You know, so it, it's a it's kind of the best of both worlds.
4: It was it was fun actually because um, Faran Tahir is our uh, actor for Mercer, and um, we actually showed his audition to our community council, and they were all just getting really they were like getting really creeped out. And one of <laughs> our community council is also a nurse, so she was <laughs> <laughs> so <be> like, oh. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah. and maybe you know, another way of you know asking the 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 question I just did that might elicit a more uh a different response would be so like I when I think about like when I've been scared in horror like the mo- the formative experience for me is the Blair Witch project like I was a young teenager I uh believed that marketing campaign that I remember looking over to my dad in the theater and I'm like dad why would if they found these tapes and these people might have died, why would they? Why would they show this in a movie theater? And it's like only something like a thirteen-year-old can be suckered into before they understood what ARGs and viral marketing campaigns are. But uh, it like threw me off camping. Like I like couldn't do any of that kind of stuff. Even still, like I've got kids now, and like it has come up. It's like, do you guys really want to watch Dad like have like an existential crisis when he hears like a twig snap at two in the morning and? Like, I've never been able to, it's it's my all-time favorite horror film. Like, I've never been able to shake that movie. And so I wonder for the two of you, if there are, they could be games, they could be movies, they could be books, but ones that when people ask, like, what scares you? Like, one of those, what, what kind of comes to mind?
6: For, for me, there are a couple um, that, you know, definitely traumatized me. And, and they were ones that I'd watched later. Like, The Exorcist, for example. The Exorcist, the first Exorcist, I'd watch that later in life surprisingly and 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 the imagery some of the imagery from that film is still, still resonates with me. And it wasn't until this year, actually, you know, I mean, I'm, in, I'm into my forties <laughs> and, and it was this year at Halloween, I decided to rewatch the exorcist. I rewatch, I waited until sunset. So it was a proper environment. It was nice and dark and quiet. Rewatched it just to kind of trigger some of the emotions I would have had back then watching it through my younger eyes. And, uh, and it was still potent, but I was able to look at it through a bit more of a critical lens this time. But for example, uh, the imagery of—I um, I don't know how familiar you're both with the with the film—but there's mm-hmm. the, they, they flash that that demon face a couple times, and it's become a little bit famous now. I think it's Pazuzu. I think is the name. Yeah, of the name. Yep. Yep. And, and, yep. It, and it has become famous. It's a, maybe a meme now, but at the time, you know, before in, internet memes and all that, when I'd seen that, it, it was that was a strong image to all of a sudden get captured burned into your retinas there and i remember specifically I, at the time i was working at a video store <clears throat> and uh, you know at the video store we'd close at midnight so you'd have to wrap up the store and clean everything up and i wouldn't leave until about one in the morning i'd be driving home much younger you know just having my license and having seen the movie i'd be driving home and i would constantly see that image pop up it, that face pop up in my rearview mirror you know i would see it and i was confident i was seeing it so you're just kind of like hurrying <laughs> home to get his home as quickly as possible you <laughs> see, like, he's, like, he's creeping up behind you and I think that is definitely one of the images that stuck with me the longest um, for one reason and, and again, the film is is brilliant, and I think one of the reasons it was so effective was because of the how grounded it was, how grounded and relatable the characters were. you know you understood their plight and what they were going through and and how difficult it was to wrap your head around what was happening in that movie and the way it was shot was far more documentarian than anything we have nowadays aside from maybe the Blair Witch the Blair Witch mm-hmm. might be the only one that feels as grounded in terms of the filmmaking and cinematography as Blair Witch as uh, the Exorcist did and so uh, for all those reasons it was really easy to be in that world and be th- live through that experience with the uh, with them
4: uh, so for me it's uh, I'm, I'm I love Thomas Harris I love his uh, I, I love his uh, books Um, but it's funny I saw The Silence of the Lambs I can't remember I was maybe about 14 Um, I saw The Silence of the Lambs uh, and I enjoyed it Uh, I thought it was really fun Uh, (laughs) I guess it didn't affect me maybe the the same way it was meant to Um, the scene in the cage uh, where Boyle's body is hung up is pretty is 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 a you know that that kind of stayed with me and we we kind of have a, a nod to it in the game, <laughs> um, you know. Actually, you, you know, oh, yeah, we have we have true. like yep. yeah, we have like Mercer and and yep. a patient of his who kind of in their own little weird Thomas Harris world. But it, it's funny because I watched the film and it was it was okay, and I was watching it with my mother, and at the end of it, she told me a, a story. Um, that, you know, she comes from the same town as Anthony Hopkins. And she said, you know, they had the premiere in uh, Portobello, and they had it in the cinema. And she said, there's, there's two staircases that go up and they go up to a balcony at the top. Um, so you come out the cinema and there's, this, you know, these, these staircases and they have this balcony at the top. And she said that, you know, after the premiere had finished, everyone came out of the theater and Anthony Hopkins is standing on the balcony in his prison jumpsuit no way and I'm sure and I'm sure sure that she thought it was a cute story but what that did was it kind of made the film jump into reality do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so it it kind of bridged the gap between uh, you know it sort of bridged that gap of of, um, this is a movie and it's separate and it's over now to yeah uh, Yeah. (laughs) you know Lecter was apparently standing right there, so uh, that I think that that got me good uh, for for a while.
6: it's yeah, really breaking the fourth wall. That's uh, oh yeah, that's yeah. incredible.
0: Well, it's interesting in both of those. Uh, uh, you know, the Hannibal ends up being a, a really incredible sort of like adaptation, reinterpretation of that work. And I, Joel, I most people didn't watch it, but The Exorcist television show got two seasons on Fox. You would think a network commercial break. Uh, a horror show shouldn't work. Um, and like the, I only seen the first season, but the first season is, is actually pretty exceptional and, and well done. And, um, if you get, if you get some time post, uh, you know, Dead Space, uh, it's worth, uh, I think it's on Hulu. Um, and it's worth, it's worth checking out, uh, just to see how they pull it off and what seems like the least hospitable environment for like a, a horror show that has to like, hey, every seven and a half minutes, we're cutting a commercial and there's a, there's a, there's a towel commercial and we got to get you back into it. And they, they find, they find a way. They, I mean, it was clearly written and shot knowing that the breaks are here and we're going to try and build the, the scenes around it, but it's, it's, it's an interesting piece of, of filmmaking. Um, and, uh, one thing I was curious about, and this is, I'm not even sure where you would want to take this necessarily if you have a specific example, but you know, there's a lot of death in dead space and that mean like those don't just appear out of nowhere someone has to come up with them they have to th- think through them when i'm curious when you're prompted with hey like we need some sort of death scene here like we're where does what are those creative meetings like like what um i'm you know i'm i imagine i I'm must start from sort of a place of humor before you arrive at the darkness but uh correct me if i'm wrong i'm curious how moments like that are conceived creatively
6: joe i'll i'll let you uh because I, I i know you had some strong opinions about how we should uh structure some of the death scenes in our game yeah,
4: there were one or two death scenes that we wanted to take to a different place um so uh some of it some of it uh i'm trying to think of a way to talk about them without spoilers yeah, I know, that's you... the tricky one there was okay i can talk about one obliquely um so we had one this is new it's a new death scene um a sort of very revised one and originally it had you saw it happening you were standing on on a gantry looking down and um we had a conversation about it about how it was exactly going to be staged and all this and then um you know i was talking to roman about it and he's like this isn't really gory enough for dead space and i was like cool i will help you with that (laughs) because i'm i'm always excited to get you know T- really twisted about it so we were like okay well if we want it to be gory we have to first of all we have to be closer so then it started adjusting the level design mm-hmm. so we're going to have to put it put it in a uh, we're going to have to get the character right up close and it's like okay we're going to have, have it staged this way and do it this way and then it was looking at the tools that were involved in the scene and in, in that death and we actually took a bit of inspiration uh, from other horror games as well um, there was a Particular piece of imagery that was used, and it was like that actually worked really well. Uh, you know, something similar would work really well with the the setup and the characters and the mechanism of death. Shall we say. <laughs> um, so it kind of developed from there. But it, you know, it was this. Um, it starts in a sort of image. And and then you you start you know because it's games you have to be like okay how practi- practically can we do this can we do it with VFX is the level design going to support it what if the player just tries to shoot the other person in the head all the th- that's always a problem the 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 player is armed and can constantly shoot someone in the head is always an issue <laughs> stage, 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 um, yeah so there was there was that one and then there was uh, the death of one of the, one of the sort of central cast which in the original we didn't feel was really hitting the mark. Um, The story has changed so that that person's demise is a little more emotionally fraught so we wanted but we wanted to give them a really good send off and i think uh joel uh your team did a an incredible job there and so did the vfx team because we asked a lot of them for that. <laughs> <laughs> and that one's a bit that one's a bit messy
6: <laughs> i was i was thinking about it joel like i think all of the death scenes that we've revisited are all pretty messy like they're all we, we've, we've we've added a little bit more gore to them but mm. uh i think going back to what joe was saying like you get i think we've we've enhanced the emotional connection through those death scenes like you do need you see whomever is dying they're, they're, their 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 character has been built up a little bit more so that when the death happens it, it resonates a little bit longer uh, or stronger yeah. uh, but we've also physically positioned them and staged them so that you do you do uh you're, you're front row seat to, uh, to a lot of them, a, a lot of them, not all of them, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, uh, and I think, I think that allows you to connect a little bit better with what's going, what they're going through.
0: And the, the last question i cause I know you got to continue your gauntlet. You, Joe, you mentioned, you know, the kind of the, the discussion there was like, I don't think this is gory enough. And I'm curious where that line is. What is the line on dead space where, this is too far for us or like how how did you how, where do you find that line like i'm just curious where you kind of built out sort of like what is the space that dead space lives in in terms of gore violence um you know how far is cartoonish how far is is realistic i'm curious how you figured out that line for for yourself
4: well th- this is a game that we specifically developed a peeling system for our enemies <laughs> so, you know, the line is <laughs> Line's pretty good. Um, Yeah, I I think it's. I think it's. uh, I think there's a level of gratuity past which a death starts being funny. It just, you just, you, you disconnect, right? You know, it's it's like you know, if you watch someone you know getting their legs pulverized and ripped off, it's like okay. At a certain point, you can't visualize that. But if you're looking at somebody getting a toothpick under their fingernails, it will make you wince. Yeah, don't like so it. I th- no. no I, think, <laughs> I think it's I think it's definitely keeping that that level of um, uh, almost relatability. It's like you it's like you you you're like ah oh, god that would really hurt. Um, but if you go too far it just like i said it just sort of becomes cartoony um so i think it's just leaning into the the groundedness of dead space you know we we, we joke that the enemy that the weapons that you use uh the damage you're basically committing industrial accidents it's, <laughs> that, it's that kind of level of gameplay's words not mine uh, it's um it's uh it's that kind of level of like, you, you know, you can understand how how much damage an industrial accident would do and can do, um, as opposed to, you know, some, you know, re- really, really going overboard and say, you know, something you could do in, I don't know, animation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think it's that uh, it, it's just sort of making sure that it always feels like relatable in a way.
6: Yeah, and I think it's also a matter of being judicious with where we put it. Um, you know, on our human character deaths, you know, obviously we, we pull back a little bit from the gore just to, again, like Joe was saying, to make it a little bit more relatable, less cartoony. But on creatures and, and monsters and, and necromorphs and that kind of thing, we, we had a little bit more freedom to, to embellish the gore. You know, we do, like Joe said, we have the peeling system where you could blow chunks off of the enemies all the way down to the bone. <laughs> and that's fun. And that's part of the gameplay experience. but. That's that level of gore is a little bit more appropriate for those monsters you don't it, it doesn't mm. become cheesy or it doesn't it doesn't pull you out of the experience uh when, when it's on the enemy monsters the um it, it was funny because uh we found early on in the project that a lot of a lot of our meetings where we'd be sharing visual material and references and that kind of thing included a lot of very disturbing images and pictures um We were putting together i remember at the start of the project we were putting together the whole visual brief uh for what that dismemberment and peeling feature would be and uh you know as as i was putting that together the um i was looking at images from car accidents and and certain injuries and that kind of thing and it and it starts to you know, at the end of the day, your, 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 mind's in a very dark place because that's real. And so I made a very concerted effort to only draw imagery from films and TV and series and that kind of thing. So there's plenty of reference from those, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit easier to, uh, to, to, to not get overly connected and feel, uh, subjected to the, to that, some of that imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a result, you know, when we would go into meetings and have to share that kind of visual reference, we would always have to put a bit of a disclaimer at the front saying, okay, graphic imagery in this in this presentation for you. Yeah. For those of you that are uh, sensitive to that, you know, we'll, we'll give you advanced warning not to look at this slide or or, or blank out this slide. <laughs> Close your eyes.
4: Yeah, we, we do that on Slack as well. If it's like, you know, here's an asset that we're going to show and it's like, yeah, it's particularly... <laughs> graphic <laughs> like just putting a note on it being like hey you know if you're not cool with this maybe you don't need to click on this
0: yeah very cool well dead space is out on january 27th joel joe thank you uh for joining us here on waypoint radio and congrats on on making it to the end
6: thank you fantastic thanks patrick
0: yeah thanks so much really appreciate your time good luck on the rest of your gauntlet
6: i'm gonna go watch prometheus now
0: all right, let me know. Hey, reach out. Uh, have a Prometheus chat anytime. time. I, I'm going to make you a believer. I'm going to make you a believer. Go, I'll, you know. mute, I'll mute it. I'll
6: mute it and watch it. I think I'll appreciate it more.
0: <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks so much Bye. for your time. Really appreciate it.
6: Thank
5: you. Thank
2: you. All right. Well, that was Patrick's uh, interview on Dead Space. And as Patrick alluded to, uh, we will have further thoughts on the game later this week. Uh, For now, let us take a little dip into the question bucket. Now, please remember, uh, you can always send us your questions at GamingAdvice.com with the subject line questions uh, to get to get in that bucket. Uh, So our first our first question here uh, comes from Jackson. Jackson writes, hey, y'all. Question. You are riding into battle. What is your mount? A few parameters. It can't be a horse. If you insist upon riding a horse, then there needs to be some sort of fantastical element to it, like a skeleton horse or a flame horse Mm -hmm, or a unicorn. mm -hmm. Also, if your mount in its natural state is smaller than a horse, then it becomes as big as a horse. So if you want to saddle up on a tardigrade, then it must be a horse-sized tardigrade. Let's say 16 hands tall. However, if your mount is larger than a horse, then it remains at its typical size. An elephant won't be shrunk to the size of a horse. My choice is the Canadian Goose. Why? The Goose is nature's underrated fear and terror unit, capable of intimidating creatures many times its size. Perhaps supersizing the Goose could counteract this ability, but I am willing to take the tactical risk for a more robust, sturdier build. When the Goose is loose, don't slander the gander. Jackson God damn!
5: Man. What a
0: sign off. Hmm. I'm looking up animals. <laughs> Wait, googling. I'm, what is an I'm animal? searching List for animals. animals. Wait, List I think of r- every animal. Jackson. So the thing I want to do. So the thing I Jackson the answer, wants a loophole. The answer I want to give is not the answer I can confidently give. Mm-hmm. I think a terrifying mount because it right right correct if i'm wrong if it's a, if it's smaller than a horse it will be made to the size of a horse correct yeah. right so boy if you saw like a horse sized tarantula Ooh. running at you <laughs> that would be no, bad I'm done. Could I'm i out. do that <laughs> i'm out no no i'm i'm with you i couldn't do it and again i'm, I'm sitting am saying that's <laughs> the tarantula couldn't rider. be me <laughs> couldn't be me so i'm trying to think what can i find like something so then my mind went, like a snake right like give me a horse sized snake i could get on that thing like yeah like give me a, <laughs> shoot the venom out like snakes don't snakes don't get me the, the the way that spiders do spider like literally the thought even just expressing to this podcast the concept t- was difficult for me and it's like that that's enough that's i'm never going to be around that spider but the horse sized spider I, can, I, I i will ride that into battle i got so many options i can bite i can strangle right the it's horse- it's fast
1: the the only problem with the horse sized snake though is like where are you on the snake? <laughs> like where does the saddle go on the snake? I, I, I think, envisioned I think it like a like a dragon tough.
0: where it's like it's, it's like a mount close to the head. Um. Um. And I, I'm near the front, and like that's up. So I like, am able to kind of control its head or whatever, like to kind of, d- like, kind of direct it. That's that was my thought. Anyway, mm. feel like I'm mm. in the center or the back, you know, or put it on the back. <laughs> I'll just on be on the back, back of that tail, just it around.
1: <laughs> I also, I also think that a snake size, a horse sized snake is hard because like horses and snakes have very different profiles. You know, like it's hard. What well, it it have to? Conf- I, was- I
0: presume there's a little bit of like. I don't know, like a creative interpretation here, which is that it's not necessarily the like length of the horse as much as if you're imagining it being scaled up. Right, right, right. It's like, so if you're taking like a, you know, like a boa constrictor or something like that, and then if you envisioned a horse size version of that, I mean, if I'm stretching that in Photoshop, it's getting pretty big pretty fast.
1: (laughs) Patrick, I only have one worry about this. I have one worry about your mount. Mm -hmm. It's so long. That's a lot of target area. That's it's like true. that's like a large area for your foes to really to really kind of dig <sharp> into. You know,
0: I agree. I agree that I agree that is a potential weakness, but I am I, choosing to believe the fear that I will instill uh, right. will. I get. I guess also in this world where I can have a, a horse sized snake mount, and also the tarantula horse size mount was a possibility. There are all other. Because when I'm saying, well, I have fear on my side, I was like, well, maybe I don't. Because if there are all other manners of darkness right. that have been turned into horse-sized uh, creatures of the dark, the snake is maybe not necessarily as, as scary as as other potential options.
3: Yeah, this is uh, why I'm going for practicality. I'm going for mm-hmm. the armored uh, version. I'm going for the the turtle that around on its head, and then if it like sticks its head in, there's usually enough you know space in there you can you can hide. It's like a turtle pope situation from Elden Ray. Right? You're, just,
2: you're just the turtle pope? Just riding that turtle?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, just riding that turtle.
2: Are you, are you not concerned at all that you're very slow?
3: That's fine. It doesn't matter. Is it? <laughs> also, turtles can move. Doesn't it? Turtles can move faster than, than, they get, uh, than they get credit for. I've seen a turtle, like, book it. When they want to move, they can, like... They, they got some speed. It's not like a fucking like cheetah or anything. Right, like... We're not talking Galapagos turtle either. Like, I'm talking like, you know, the the, the more agile ones. <laughs> also a- amphibious, right? Like you've got land or sea, right? <laughs> it's it's perfect. Wait, wait, wait. What? Some question
1: about turtles and their amphibious nature. Yeah. Uh, do turtles really swim or do they more kind of walk along the bottom? No, they swim. They swim. They yeah, swim. swim. They swim. Okay, they swim. Yeah. Okay, I
0: just wanted to They've make got, sure... You know, no, because you'll I, see with their heads kind of poking up like in a pond, and, like it. that's them. Yeah, yeah, that's them yeah. running. That's them them yeah. run across. just they're just. Whoosh. I mean, do just, they kind of check. look like they're not drowning, right? As opposed to swimming, <laughs> not yes, just, yes. Yeah. It's Not the most
1: agile in the water, but still. <laughs> Kato's, Kato's like it's amphibious. Kato says waist deep in water, going <laughs> yeah. slowly.
3: Yeah, where are you in the situation
0: where the I'm turtles on the in the head, water?
1: I think I think I'm okay. on the head still. All
3: right. Or it's like a you have to wear a suit situation of like you got a. You know, I've got to be <laughs> it up or something. <laughs>
1: I have a I have a clarifying question.
3: Uh huh. What kind of armaments are we
1: looking at? Because I feel like that kind of does affect. Like what what tier of armament are we looking at for these mounts? Because I feel like that is also a contributing factor. Because like well, mounted like, combat is a mm, is a different game. You know. Right. Yeah,
2: I think you got to be thinking like some sort of ride of the Rohirrim situation, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, because uh, I'm not taking any of this shit into battle against like a main battle tank. Like I'm just not. Like, I don't care if you say, like, I'll uh, give you the That shell's, that shell's gonna
3: bounce off this armor, baby. I, it's rounded, yeah. it's gonna be like pew, deflected. It's,
2: okay, so Kato's very confident that the turtle uh It'll hold up if you scale eras. it. It'll hold up yeah. if you
3: scale it. Uh I
2: I am I am setting eight. Like it's got to be like uh Spears and spears and arrows, uh, right? Type, right. Mm. Uh, type combat.
3: Oh, arrows ain't getting through anything over here. You know, we're we're
2: good. It'll get through you, hey. which is yeah, where Kyle. the lack of mobility starts. <laughs> is, it'll
3: play. duck its head in. It'll duck its head in when like the volley's coming in. It'll Are duck its saying- head in. What you go in with it? Yes, oh, you say yes, it? No. I, 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 snuggle up in there. There's space. How There's much space do you think is in a turtle space? What it's the trade fuck are you talking about? We are about? friends. We are bonded. We're okay with being turtles, that close to each other. Turtle
2: smell, man.
3: I'm sh- yeah. Like, that's
2: probably true. Like you, you like the <laughs> idea of the, like I'll just hide inside a shell with my little buddy. Like
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> if. If you're able to fit in there, you're not talking about a horse sized turtle. You're That's talking cool. about a mech sized turtle, Kato. <laughs> I don't
2: know. <laughs> that right, just if I you like, think, it, I mean, yeah, I don't Kato, know.
3: Kato feels good about their turtle. Yeah. Um, um Yeah, maybe maybe getting in there. If I can sit on its head though, I feel like Yeah. Turtle. I'll figure out whether or not I can fit in there later. <laughs> How can get shot by a
0: longbow so fast? That's yeah. just gonna
3: go straight through
2: your. The armor. turtle
0: will be fine, though. I do appreciate <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Which, frankly, is all that matters in the end.
3: Maybe I sit on the tail. So it's like a, I've got a big. I can't. Then I can't see anything though.
1: <laughs> yeah. So who are you fighting off from the tail?
3: You have <laughs> I'm just like blindly shooting arrows over the top. <laughs> like, what if there was hope a that big hits guy. someone? <laughs>
1: damn good combat strat
3: what if there was a big guy <laughs> what if this is a big guy then you couldn't shoot it very strong armored if i can
2: yeah this only works if i can fit in the shell with it so all right ren did you uh do you have an answer
1: <laughs> yeah i would do a, i would do a large bird yeah. like a large mm. like a large um i was
2: honest- thinking albatross type things yeah
1: I would have to just do what's on brand for me and do a giant raven, of mm-hmm, course, because mm-hmm. um, that is my brand. Um, but I also think it's a good pick because, like, the thing about the raven is it acts as both a mount and an independent combatant. Like, yes. your turtle, Kato, if you mm-hmm. get off the turtle, that turtle is not contributing to the KD ratio of your army. <laughs> I don't think the turtle is putting that many numbers on the board.
3: Can uh, have you seen a snapping turtle? Things are vicious. Oh.
1: They'll if it's a snapping turtle, then maybe. <laughs> maybe you'll be putting numbers on the board, but we'll, we'll, I'll believe it when I see it. it. <laughs> um, a raven, though, can, a- can act completely independently of me, Renata Price. And you know what the other important thing is? Mm. They're great at using tools. Mm-hmm. And so Problem you can solvers. teach a raven to do shit that you can't teach other mounts to do. Mm. You can't teach it. Patrick, you can't teach your snake to throw a bucket of boiling oil. Snake's not going to know how to do that. Raven? Raven could do that all day long.
2: (laughs) Now, here is, and I I love all this logic. There is just one thing that does come with a smart animal. It may make a career decision. If it does not like how a battle is shaping up, (laughs) That you will not appreciate in the heat of of the moment.
0: If they're as smart as you, then also you may become less involved in the equation.
1: This is why On you, the other hand, you could just ideology. say
0: I didn't <laughs> flee. My raven just flew
2: me to safety. I had no choice in the matter. This is, right. this
1: is why you introduce ideology to your raven. Like <laughs> you have to, you have to really make sure your raven because the brain is scaled up, and so they do have extra uh, juice
2: in there. No, so, <laughs> I don't think we are. I do not think we are scaling up the brains. We have to, to teach, have to teach the
3: raven practice. Yeah,
1: extra brain juice. That's nothing. how that works. I
2: did
0: know. I, was that in the was that in the question? I don't. I don't remember. The I mean, part you about scale the up the juice. body,
3: you scale up the brain juice, right? Like... It's just a bigger brain. I don't know if that. means. <laughs> I, I do not brain. think
2: the question allows like your animal to become susceptible to the it's teachings not an of animal situation.
1: <laughs> um, all of this is that I think the Raven. Listen, I think the Raven's a good call. Uh, I, I also, if if my Raven's fucking off from the battle and we're tight like that, I think that's the correct decision. Like I'm. You're yeah, with the Raven. <laughs> listen, sometimes the because commi- also here's the thing: if you're on a mount like this. If you're on like a, a prestige mount, an exotic mount, you're a commander of some right. kind. Like right. you're, yes. th- there's some shit going on. And so see, if my raven's like, we got a bug out of here, I will be like, I am listening to that guy.
2: <laughs> this is why, see, this is why I was torn between do I want something uh, like a an osprey or a peregrine falcon or mm. do I want something like an albatross? And I think I want the albatross because mm-hmm. uh like one like teaching yourself to be a good enough uh writer to like let the falcon or Osprey like do its thing the best it can like that requires like that requires a lot of skill to like be mounted on that, but the other thing is the albatross has that like ridiculous flight range mm-hmm. and is it like? A particularly violent animal no but with the wingspan scaled up it will not matter like it is that will that will be a bird that can strafe
1: right like if you fly in and do a <laughs>
2: you're yeah. gonna
1: knock motherfuckers that, over. yes
2: yes uh okay. plus again like to the point of like obviously if i'm on this mountain I'm very important uh i need that flight range so that i can be attending to all the things that are relevant to the to the war effort
1: I also think that the other thing in your in your favor here is that, like, the Peregrine Falcon isn't just, like, isn't just hard to ride. It's also, like, that's a specialist troop. You're only bringing in the Peregrine Falcon if you expect other horse-sized birds. Because, like, right. that's what the Peregrine Falcon is built for. Peregrine Falcons are not built to, like... They're not great at ground prey, if I remember correctly. They are designed to fly at 120 miles per hour and just fucking delete a
3: bird from the
1: air. (laughs) And like, if you're expecting (laughs) to go against the bird army, then I would take the Peregrine Falcon.
3: But hold on, how do you? Can you? How do you? How do you mount? feels like you know we're riding on top of how do you hold, hold on, on to hold a on. bird
2: mr i will live inside a shell inside the, shell I will live the, inside when the fire is shell, coming damn in it doesn't get to raise questions <laughs> about like bridles and also, stirrups
1: you can very i can very easily imagine like a halter for a bird
3: you
2: know like you, 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 you like stra-
3: strap the fuck in i
2: feel like yes.
5: that would
3: hurt to
2: go no, that fast it's a backpack. i think oh oh it's not gonna be a comfortable ride. <laughs> Like the minute, like the minute, like one of these birds like stoops, like that's going to be a real gut check moment. Uh, but uh, I think I think it's doable. I, I think you have to assume that like decent, decent equipment for this uh, right. yeah. come, comes into play. The only I issue think, is that I oh please it.
1: I was gonna say, what is the what is the weapon you're wielding on top of this? I think that's the struggle with the bird is finding a weapon that you can wield That is not extremely unwieldy for the bird, you know, because like wings are big. You're not going to use a a sword
2: off the back of a bird.
1: Um, Even a halberd, you're risking your bird's wings. Like what? I guess you can only really use ranged weaponry. A lance is a good call because that's right in front
2: of you. But even then, like the bird, anything the lance will do, the bird will probably do better. You know what I mean? Like what? Like if the bird's just going to be like the The bird bird is just bodying a target in front of it. Yeah. Then hitting with a lance.
3: The bird is simply the weapon. So you bring a long bow.
2: Like like
1: a like a big fuck off, like the ones that like that people can't use anymore.
2: You can't. Nope. You can't. uh, You can't fire that seated.
1: Oh, right. Because you have to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking like you're going to have to bring like crossbow. Honestly, is probably your Mm. your thing where like bird takes you to safety you reload you come back down to firing range but even then your fire rate you're probably diminishing the effectiveness of the bird
5: wait
1: you don't have to go down you don't have to go down Rob if you put so imagine that your bird harness right yeah. You can put you can like click the crossbow into the harness and then instead of having to land to pull it back, you just have like a, a thing that like a reloading station on the back of your bird that uses the harness as the thing that holds the crossbow in place when you, where you pull it back. to. Try. Oh, right. But
2: I, but I more mean like you will you will still in between rounds probably want to move to some sort of safe distance uh, while you you know what I mean? Like that's.
3: The bird is doing evasive maneuvers during this. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is why it's so
1: hard to be the bird rider no. is that you have to be like reloading your crossbow no. as your bird is doing active evasive maneuvers. <laughs> this is also why the crossbow mounted the the bird mounted crossbowman is the most terrifying unit on the field.
2: <laughs> Look, Tom Cruise, I know you've resisted doing fantasy. But I think a fantasy Top Gun Maverick <laughs> where everyone's riding different mounts could be very very cool and especially because with with tom cruise your dedication to practical effects we will this is how we actually get mythical creatures is like you know tom was just, like <laughs> tom you got chris mccory being to like happen. tom was just so committed to this idea yeah that we had to breed dragons <laughs> we just uh, had to uh, make new animals <laughs> it was it was difficult like the rest of the cast was really scared of the of the dragons uh some of the some of the actors were were killed during training uh but i think once you see the the IMAX shots we got from the camera dragon uh you'll be really appreci- you'll be, you'll you'll be really amazed at what we what we pulled off uh okay so that is that is mounts um perhaps in keeping with the <laughs> with the maybe the rain world thing uh eben writes Hello pointy people. I was looking through <laughs> some of my old games sure. and ran across a real trashter piece. Damnation. It was a shooter set in a fictional somewhat steampunk wild west. <laughs> bad. It had a it had terrible writing, the guns felt bad, the AI was a hilarious combination of awful and overpowered, but it employed a truly fascinating vertical level design with surprisingly complex and fun traversal. My question is, can you think of any games that you don't like and or are objectively bad, but for which you still hold a grudging respect? Fuck capitalism. Evan. currently, unfortunately, in Florida. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of games like it's it, they're hard to remember because a lot of times they they are not that memorable but like there there are a decent number of games that have like cool quirks in it that well you i mean wish i, I, I it
0: worked out re, yeah recently i mean I, I shouted it out on this on this podcast when when Ren brought it up but cruelty squad is a game that was in my top 10 list when that came out 2 years ago and i played 20 minutes of it um i did not enjoy playing it i did not want to play more of it but i found every decision inside of it so utterly compelling that I wanted to read and watch other people play it and I, I feel like that fits I don't want anyway I'm sort of like rain world I don't want you to change baby like just be you <laughs> like fly fly away uh I don't want to engage with this like myself but I'm so glad it exists and that it is you know the cruelty squad is also similarly to rain world you know. Well, cruelty squad is player hostile. I would I would argue, <laughs> as opposed to just agnostic. Um, but it's it, it, you are entering into a relationship. You know that it is going that it is player hostile. Uh, and I, I thought it was fascinating, uh, top to bottom. Um, which is why I ended up you know doing a whole piece about the game and ranking it so highly, despite not wanting to play it myself.
1: This is, this is one of my favorite things is that all of Patrick's answer to this questions are just games that I like normally. And that is that, that brings me deep joy.
0: I think it's healthy to like find games that, you know, there are games to dislike because you think what they're doing is wrong. And then there are games you dislike because you just understand your own tastes and preferences and yeah. that you can separate the two of those things. Right. right. Uh you know damnation was probably just a bad game it <laughs> had a couple of interesting <laughs> ideas i don't know that you look at damnation and go i think I, I don't think you needed to change anything it was just the wrong place the wrong time <laughs> and just the wrong market um i haven't seen this game this i'm not i'm not familiar with uh uh i've play, i've played a lot of mediocre shooters because i, I, I you know some of them uh, are kind of you know well raven had that whole run right of uh of mediocre shooters that were singularity well, Return to Castle Wolfenstein. Oh boy! Um, Return to Castle Wolfenstein was interesting. I know, I know. I, I'm not. Yeah, I yeah, love no, Singularity. I that, yeah. that game. That game kicks ass. They mentioned this was um, Codemasters? What? That's Code. Codemasters, Codemasters apparently, Code game. Codemasters game. <laughs> they published it. They did, they did a handful of like non sportsy stuff. Um,
1: I have my answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, Oh, fuck. I, I had it in my head, and then you said something about Codemasters, and I completely lost it. God damn it. <laughs> you motherfucker.
0: Rob's got problems with Codemasters. Ren's got problems with Codemasters. Know my mediocre Western game
2: was Gun. Gun. And I have forgotten this. The story, written by Randall Johnson, features several veteran actors, including Ron Perlman, Lance Henriksen, Chris Christofferson, Brad Dorf, Tom Skerritt, and the lead, played by Thomas Jane. That game sucks. <laughs> Patrick, but, we
1: have a. Sorry. Yeah. No, please, Rob. That's it. No, Patrick that's
2: have... that's that's it. That's the that's the thought like that. If I'm thinking like horrible Western games that you can know, kind of weirdly You're, like. Uh,
0: you, I believe what Ren is about to suggest here is that uh, Ren wants to watch Rob play Gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's under not a good idea. Oh, that was even like repurpose the Wait, Rens Rentals oh, oh, to get Robbly really done again. Patrick, that's a really good idea. All right, well, tell me your other good idea because well, then we'll, then we can get two out of this one.
1: I was going to say Rens Rentals this actually gives me both of my answers, mm. which is Alone mm-hmm. in the Dark 2008 and yes. Two Human. Yeah, Alone in the Dark 2008 and Too Human, both bad games that I think are fucking fascinating. Um, damn, we should do another one of those.
0: Yeah, I, I think Rob should play gun <laughs> or, or Rob should watch you play gun. Hey, Rob, do you want to play gun? No. <laughs> hey,
1: Rob, do you want to watch me play gun?
0: Maybe.
2: <laughs> uh, so my go to answer here, by the way, is uh, I mentioned this game before, but it is always like my my iconic like this is such a genius idea. I wish this game were good. Uh, the time travel RTS Akron. Mm, right. The fact that there's an actual, like, viable time travel mechanic uh, where, like, units can go fight in the past and, like, the match is ongoing in the present. There's a little, like, timeline scroll bar uh, on your controls that you can be like, all right, so in the present, my tanks are, like, closing on their factory, but, uh-oh, I see a disturbance uh from, like, the past five minutes ago because, oh, shit, my opponent, like, went back in time and... Changed the outcome of a major battle uh, that set Mm -hmm. this match on different trajectory. So like the battle where I destroyed their, their army and got access to their factories. Now he kept his army safe. And so once the time wave catches up with the present, all the effects that stem from that victory are going to be erased. And so the question is now, do you continue to play in the present? even though like you are going to like witness a radically transformed battlefield when the time wave hits and, and the, the, the ripples from that past decision catch up, uh, or now do you go somewhere in the past, uh, and, and start reacting? It is. And like, it's astonishing. It works. And it, it does largely work in terms of feeling like a game where time travel is happening and the effects are propagating forwards. It's just tied to like, you know, it's a it's game that feels like a proof of concept more than a finished game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the, the tragedy of it. And then nobody ever bothered with it again. Like, I don't think I've ever seen the uh, the idea come up an- anywhere else. And I think the guy who came up with it mostly just does, like, war game simulation modeling for the Pentagon. Um, but, <laughs> it, like, it doesn't. Like, I've never seen this idea uh, crop up anywhere else. Kata, do you have anything where you're like this sucks but i grudgingly respect it
3: dota2 dota2's a good game <laughs> like no that doesn't this is the issue is like i feel like i don't know when i dislike something i end up like not finding that there isn't this in between of like destiny 1 no destiny 1 was okay well actually mm. <laughs> But the thing is it that it got very good. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it 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 got much better. But that original. But story for a while was... there, there
2: was that whole like <laughs> bad game, but guns so good. Yeah. Yes,
3: yes. It was it was the missions were bad. It's like the raids were the one like saving grace in those like early weeks, and. Yeah, I guess that, I guess that counts. <laughs> Destiny one.
0: it so long. I just wanted so you to long. say something bad about Destiny. God, I well, got, I, I mean, got. Yeah. It. yeah. Nailed
3: it. I've always said that first campaign was absolute trash. And I understand why so many people just completely bounced off of it without finishing it. Um, even, or finished it and were like, well, this sucks. And like left, the, like, like hopped off of the train of the like re- repeatable, you know, week to week sort of train before. Mm-hmm anything happened but yeah that that would be it then that would be it i I, i've destiny 1 is such a like deep recessed memory (laughs) at this point because how how good destiny 2 is right now that i had to be reminded
2: of it so thank you
0: (laughs) you're welcome uh
2: uh let's see Actually, I'll put a pin in this one, uh, cause that one, it's about victory conditions, but I'm not sure it'll, like, it'll be such a strategy folks discussion, uh, that, ah, eh, fuck it. Ren wants to, Ren wants to answer. Let's do it. <laughs> Hello. Here is one of those rare questions that should make Rob talk about video games. Nice try. Uh, this question is prompted <laughs> wow. most recently by Total War Warhammer 3, uh, the Warhammer 3 discussion, but it is a general interest of mine. I'm curious if y'all have any standout, you know, parenthetical strategy games where some or all of the factions' player characters have unique or different victory conditions. For example, the Wood Elves of Total Warhammer 2 do not need to conquer the entire world. They just need to hold, protect, and grow some specific forests for lore reasons. This quirk to their campaign means that while I don't enjoy playing as the Wood Elves, I do enjoy playing their campaign because it is different and limited in some smart ways. So, favorite podcasters of mine, who are your favorite weirdo campaigns in gaming? Thank you. Also, Patrick, Rob, Ren, whoever happens to be in the area. I work at a fantastic little distillery and restaurant in Three Oaks, Michigan by the name of Journeyman Distillery. Y'all provide me with much free happiness over the years and i'd be happy to repay some of that pleasure debt with high quality booze well thank you for the offer i make it to to look up where's three oaks michigan (laughs) free drinks i will journey far
1: i i think that my answer to this is it's got to be the endless series i think that the endless series endless legend endless space etc uh is better at you know, honestly, I think that those are the best 4X games, full stop. I think that they're just better than everything else in the genre and <laughs> kind of consistently uh, better than everything else because they're fucking weird. Those those games are made by little freaks and I love them for that. Um, some of the strangest victory conditions and like faction specific victory conditions
5: in games uh, writ large. Just uh, what a treat.
2: Uh. No, I'm 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 with you. The Endless Games do a great job with that. Uh my answer would probably be, and this is a cop out, uh, and it's not a video game. It is Mark Herman's Churchill, uh, which is a game about in some ways entirely about victory conditions, because it is about the uh Allied powers of World War II. Set hashing out what the post-war order is going to be over the cross of a series of their strategic conferences across World War Two. And so at these conferences, uh, first, there is the question of beating Germany and Japan. And so during these conferences, the three players uh, playing Stalin, uh, Churchill and Roosevelt the three players will allocate where like forces and supplies are sent, uh, which will affect the outcome of the war. And I think that's deterministic. Like, I think I don't think there's like roles necessarily. I can't remember for sure if that's true, but um, it, it is like where you, where you allocate forces uh, means that you are going to make progress in some fronts and have stall progress or setbacks in others. Uh, but that will affect the ultimate, like, post-war peace settlement and then across all of that there are different issues that need to be negotiated among them and so it's this weird it's a really interesting design because basically it is about like three powers in tension that each have their ideal victory settlement at the end of the war uh that's a bit at odds with the other two but also they do need to work together to get the victory. Uh, and and so it is. It it is game that's entirely about like negotiating what victory is going to look like uh, over the course of of the game.
3: Kato, I have a spinoff question. I don't please. have a video game answer for this one, but I have a uh, card game answer for this one.
1: That's what I was about to ask. Is what is your favorite card game win condition? <laughs>
3: um, I was thinking of basically uh, Netrunner has fun uh, win Mm -hmm. conditions that are different because it's already an asymmetric game, right? One side is playing a corporation. One side is playing a hacker, Um, but, and both can win by scoring agenda points, but the alternate uh, win conditions for each of them is, are different. Um, Basically the, the hackers, like your hand kind of, acts like an hp bar and so if you ever ever dealt damage by the by the corp and you don't have enough uh cards in hand to discard that damage uh you lose you get flatlined but the runner doesn't isn't able to do that uh to the corporation because the corporation is you're know, not a single person they can't be killed that way so the only real alternate uh win condition technically that the runner has is like making the 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 corporation deck itself before it can but that's very very difficult and it kind of represents just like uh a kind of slow like war of attrition against the company and like making it divert its resources to keeping you out instead of you know putting forward its agendas and this is a very flavorful way to kind of separate those two like further push the asymmetry of that game the good ones
2: i was like there's the problem is like in board game space, you can just go forever, right? On this question, right. like this, this happens and a lot. In, <laughs> in video games, like there's there's such a bias towards symmetry, yes. Um, except for yeah, you do have uh, you know, it's
3: more of a standout thing in in video games.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you have the weirdos like at Amplitude, who who are like we are going to create interesting narrative, uh, like paths for each of the factions. And though I think for me, Endless Legend is so much better uh a 4x than endless space is my is my one issue um i think the space thing tends to flatten things whereas everything in endless legend feels like your interaction with the world uh is so different from so cool. other factions
1: also so pretty it's really you want if you want to look at some really beautiful cities in video games just look at just look at pictures of endless legend cities the little map tiles they are just immaculate and also like the each design is so wildly different from every other design. It's it's so cool.
2: What well, what a good series. The thing I sometimes wonder is whether or not um, civilization is ultimately well served by emphasizing uh, like, for instance, I've never been certain whether or not the one city victory condition was all that great a thing to suddenly turn into a standard feature because it went from being like a weird community challenge. Like, can you win a game of civilization two, for instance, only building a single city uh and then it turned into well you gotta have single city victory conditions uh in in every game and so it ends up it like it it sort of ends up being a game where because so many different lines of play have to be possible at all times i i do sometimes wonder if it uh made the paths through civilization games a little too a little too rote um whereas civilization 2 was very symmetric and it was mostly like you know just beat the shit out of each other uh, (laughs) effectively um that will that will do it for today's episode uh we will we will be back on friday uh with another episode of waypoint radio until then you if you want more from waypoint you can follow us on twitter at waypoint facebook and youtube waypoint vice you can follow me on twitter at rob zachney Uh, kato where can people follow you
3: at a underscore kato underscore
2: appears patrick at Patrick Hubwick. Ren.
5: At
1: Ren or Raven.
2: Uh you can also check out what we published on waypoint.vice.com. com. Uh you should check out my cute little post on how good the bears are uh this this year. Uh how how bright the future looks. Uh, <laughs> and you should also, if you haven't read you should also read Ren's review of Fire Emblem Engage. Uh and and read about how a brilliant tactics game is maybe entombed within the body of a very broad Saturday morning cartoon.
1: If you, if you Uh, play it, get high You'll have a better time.
2: (laughs) You heard it here for, well, probably not, but you, you you heard it here as well. Uh, And thanks to waypoint plus, we been able to have a bunch of fun streams lately. Uh, Let's see. How go the dwarves?
5: Uh, 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 okay. <laughs> well, well, our
1: last, I can tell you how our last stream ended. Uh, our last stream ended with a, a necromancer attack that, in a matter of seconds, wiped out our entire fortress. No, uh,
3: because we had yet to build, in game seconds, uh, we paused for a long time though to talk through strategies. To talk, yeah, to really,
1: <laughs> it's kind of
2: really to oh, you know had in. like a whole strategy conference, like how do we get out of this? And then you unpause time, and we're just like obliterated.
1: Oh, Done. let's be clear: the strategy <laughs> conference ended with me going, "We're about to be obliterated. I don't think there's much <laughs> we can do here." Uh, and then I hit unpause, and all of our warriors were killed in in half a millisecond. Um, oh
0: God.
3: I,
1: I will say that uh, in my own personal fortress, I did just have a immigrant, a migrant wave of seven children just appear uh, outside of my fortress. Those and are now totally normal children.
3: No, nothing weird is going on there.
1: Irritating <laughs> kids who can't do real work. Wow. We gotta, we gotta get, they can only haul.
5: <laughs> they, God, can only, they can only, they can only
1: haul. <laughs> they can only haul. Listen, I made them a bunch of toys. They can choose to play with their toys or haul. That's their decision.
2: Are the toys, like, vocational toys? Like (laughs)
1: No. Well, one of them is a mini anvil. Easy bake ovens and little
2: smithing tools.
1: One of them is a mini anvil, but there are others that aren't. There's a little puzzle box. I I mean, to be fair. a little puzzle box, which is very cute.
2: Like, a Tonga truck is not, like, preparing a child for a life. Uh, Like, it's just a cool (laughs) big truck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The mini anvil may be preparing them,
2: though. (laughs) But, you know, they're dwarves. They love it. Exactly. Uh, also let's see the Waypoint Detective Agency uh solved a major case last week uh with what to do about my my cable situation and how uh, was it this weekend Pardon how was it this weekend Oh my god so one it was the rare case of like we had our 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 conference we we delved deep into like what's the best solution to get rid of cable and uh figure out how to get this all in line and then as you know wearing my uh Wearing the robes of the king of the exec- of executive function, mm. I handled all that shit. Uh it, you know, real lickety split, got signed up for uh YouTube TV, and holy shit, Patrick, I should have done this like a year ago. <laughs> I should have been so I'm happy. MK, like every time she like uh watched a bit of football, she was like, This is so much better looking than it ever was. Uh, Did through- you
0: do the four K sign up? You bet your ass I did. I was going to say, what are, who there's do you think more you're talking to, and then, Patrick? Yeah, there's one more. <laughs> well, but, but but there's only, I'm asking because there's only, there's nothing else to watch on it. Like, the 4K stuff is a scam. Oh. And there's only one game left well, on, oh, on right. the 4K.
2: Unless I get in the Premier League for the high fidelity. Sports. Bucks
0: yeah. yeah. a month for that, I know, man. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we're gonna have to the sports. Good. The sports pod is gonna evolve uh, going forward, so maybe we can find a way to. How yeah, can we're Rob, gonna get in the Premier League. Yeah, how can Rob <laughs> find a way to expense a month of of YouTube uh, TV 4K? Where there's a will, there's a way, Rob. It'll be it'll be like NBA, uh, and then like here's some weird shit I watched on Peacock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did I not just start expensing Red Zone? I should have just been doing that, right?
2: Uh, I mean, you've gotten emails from the company lately, like we can't, we can't expense anything. Uh,
3: uh,
2: but yeah, it was, uh, I, I will say this, like, even if I had not saved any money, YouTube TV was a better option than paying for a cable subscription. Like if I'd saved yes. $0, but instead of, I saved like 50 a month, um, I still would be in a better place just because like it is watchable in a way that is not. And the NBA, uh, game pass integration is like perfect. Is so seamless? it seamless. Totally seamless. Awesome. So like those games are just there uh, and you can just like watch them at any time. So that is uh, that's that's proven to be a very successful resolution for the Waypoint Detective Agency uh, this week. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm, people are going to be ripping my apartment down around me, so
0: I don't know what the we will I, publish a schedule. But there may be some <laughs> uh, shifts in, in that based on is it ro- is it a thematic mm.
2: enhancement if we are power washing while construction is happening in the background?
0: Yeah. 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 It depends on how bad it is, right? Like, if it's just a little ambiance, I'm okay with that. If I can't hear you, <laughs> then I don't know that uh, it might be kind that, of that bad. works nearly as much. It might be kind of bad, but again,
2: I will know so much more. Uh, <laughs> we'll figure it out. soon.
1: We'll figure it out.
2: Uh, and coming up soon, we will be, uh, we'll be having our, my turn on the green night. Our plan was to get that done this week, but we might be postponing that a bit. So I can, again, come to terms with, uh, the chaos that is going to be happening in the house. Uh, but you know, if you want to see what else has been happening in the plus feed, uh, well, it's also at the main feed at this point, but again, we, you can go back and listen to our show on Tarkovsky's, uh, nostalgia, and you hear Patrick and I discuss the NFL postseason and just how perfectly positioned uh the Bears
0: are for uh generations. Oh, there's always next there's always next year, right, Rob? There's always next, year. It's, it's not never just been next year. it's
2: gonna be it's gonna be like again, possibly decades of oh, uh, just dominance. Uh, of, you know, they'll yeah. build
0: that stadium just in time for Justin Fields to defend his uh, you know, third back to back Super Bowl title. It's, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Uh, If that sounds good or
2: you just want more Waypoint, you go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here, including those streams we just mentioned. And if you want to show not just support, but zeal, you can go to waypointgeneralstore.com and buy some of our fine Waypoint merch. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at B O E N. For now we're calling time on this Tuesday. We will talk to you again on Friday. Until then, fuck capitalism, go home.